I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, uh, the lucky guy with the lapdog today, Bionic. Now, you always refer to him as a lapdog, and that is Pyro, our fellow staff member yep. of Future Quake, who's joining us in the studio like normal. Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, we're glad you're joining us as well. We're, we're sorry we can't uh, scratch your back like we do Pyro, but we're glad to have you here with us. We don't have enough fingers. For another week, another week of the Future Quake Show and another compelling topic and guest. And this is sort of a second look at a topic we had with a prior guest, Dr. Colin Ross, who was a very popular show we had mm-hmm. on mind-controlled experiments by our own government on our people. And we're going to be talking to someone who's made it their goal to try to eradicate this and to actually intervene on behalf of victims. Uh, this week we have visiting with us Ms. Cheryl Welsh, who is the founder and director of the Mind Justice Human Rights Group. And we're going to be talking this week about the struggle to expose, remedy, and eradicate non-consensual government mind control experimentation. That's a mouthful. Wow. That's so, some heavy stuff. Yeah. and I'm uh, kind of nervous about it. I we mean, learned some new information from this uh, discussion. Indeed. And we learned some of the more practical issues on why this has gone on for so long mm-hmm. without remedy. And uh, it's extremely frustrating, but hopefully it's a call to action for our listeners. Yeah, you know, it's 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 just another another future quakeism that here's this terrible thing being perpetrated. All you have to do is like read the articles, and then nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. Oh well, mm-hmm. does this affect me making money? Yeah, well then I'm gonna vote against it. Well, when we come back after the this first segment, I want to ask you some things about where it hits closer to home here. So okay. we need to identify uh, uh, identify our guest and bring her forward here. So here's our first segment of our interview with Miss Cheryl Welsh, founder and director of the Mind Justice uh, Human Rights Group, and then we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Doctor Future, and I am Tom. No fan of. Uh Non-consensual government mind control, Bionic. And thank you for giving away our topic, Mr. Bionic. That, 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 that wasn't really even wasn't foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Yeah, that was right, right on the target. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have another fantastic and very interesting show this week on Future Quake. Uh, this week we have another new guest uh, here for her first visit to our show. We have Miss Cheryl Welch, who is the founder and director of the Mind Justice Human Rights Group. And we're going to be talking this week about the struggle to expose, remedy, and eradicate non-consensual government mind control experimentation. And I just want to tell you, Ms. Ms. Welch, it is uh, wonderful to have you here, and I want to welcome you to your first visit to the Future Quake Radio Show. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I re- really appreciate uh, you spending time with us on a very, very important topic. I know it's one you're committed to. Uh, we have a lot to discuss today. So to expeditiously kick things off here and cover all the material we have, could you very briefly share with us uh, in our audience a little bit about your background and credentials and, and the reason why you decided to get involved in this topic? Okay, well, um, I'm here in Davis, California, and uh, I grew up in Sacramento, California, and uh, went to college in uh, UC Davis and Lincoln Law School and um, had a pretty average life. And... Um, then I uh, had a personal experience with uh, non-consensual experimentation, and I started a human rights group. 
And um, so that's started in 1996, and it's been growing ever since. Okay, so you had an experience that was obviously not one that was pleasant or one you'd recommend, but it in, in, instead of um, uh, coping in other means, you decided to help other people. Is that right? And actually address this issue to to try to protect other people. Right. I, I really my my the emphasis of this human rights group is the research. You know, getting facts um, so that we can change. Use you know use congressional. Uh, you know the those kinds of methods to really mm-hmm. change the problem you okay. know, so it doesn't happen again. Now, your educational background is law. Is in law, is that correct? Right. I graduated from law school, Lincoln Law School in Sacramento. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we have another uh, Californian here in Tom mm-hmm. Bionic, who's uh, Central California. Yep. I spent many days in, in, in Davis. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Was that incarcerated or were you a free yeah, man? Yeah, it was with the little <laughs> handcuffs and stuff. Yeah. No, I, I grew up in Napa and I played music uh, out there in the California area for, wow. I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. So it seems like I always ended up stopping and playing in US, UC Davis about three, four, five times a year. And I had friends there too, so it seems like I was there like almost once a month. Okay. Yeah. Well, well Mr. Welsh, could you uh, explain to us the purpose of the Mind Justice Public Interest Group? and the scope of its effort and the strategic emphasis you have for it? Okay, well, basically, um, the goal of the group is to, uh, um, well, uh, in a nutshell, um, we had the uh, new weapons, uh, the atomic bomb, and now there are new neuro weapons that target the brain and the nervous system. There was a book out called Mind Wars, um, in 2006, and that was reviewed by JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association and Nature, and it, it discussed these new weapons that are on the horizon and that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, like the mind reading, these new technologies, and the, it was written by an ethicist who said we, we've got to uh, do it differently than uh, with the atomic bomb where we had radiation experiments and just a lot of unethical, non-consensual experiments and and um, a whole Cold War, Cold War culture, you know, that kind of that utilitarian um, get the job done. Well, they're saying, uh, the ethicists and the experts are saying, we've got to look at these new weapons and we've got to plan for it and avoid past mistakes. So my human rights group uh, specifically uh, targets, oh, I'm not targets, but um, is working on the non-consensual experimentation issue mm-hmm. for new weapons. Okay. Is your is your group pretty unique in having that particular focus? I would yes, I I would say that. I would say so. Right. Um it's a small group and um we uh this group we're alleging that there are a lot of uh well the research actually uh the research goes back 50 years, you know, starting with the CIA mind control. And so um nobody knows what's classified and uh, the gist of my group is that a lot of the technology is already developed and it's being tested on, without consent of, of um, U.S. citizens. And mm-hmm. Whereas most of the experts say this is a future weapon. So there's the uh, dilemma. Okay. Uh, how did the process of neurosystem or radiation and mind control science get going in our defense and intelligence communities? And, and, and what was the purpose of their efforts and the rationale they used to justify the non-consensual experiments as, as part of it? 
Well, um, it, it, that's really well documented going back to the uh, 1950s, the CIA experiments, because um, they were the Russian, in the 50s, the Russian China uh, threat of brainwashing and mind control. Um, so the CIA started secret mind control experiments, and those were exposed in the 1970s in the congressional hearings. And most people know about the LSD, MKUltra experiments that came to light. And um, let's see. So, um, again, that utilitarian um, Cold War culture among the scientists and the weaponeers um, you know that you, you've got to te- you've got to know how this weapon works, um, and, and if there is mind control and the Russians have it or China, we have to have countermeasures. We have to know. Uh, we have to have the best. You know, protect national security. And so uh, there were half a million Cold War experiments conducted during the Cold War. Hmm. As a result, wow, half a million. Yeah, that's a congressional hearing in the 1990s. Um, they were, uh, you know, we don't want this to happen again, and so the experts testified before Congress, and, you know, that, that was the fact, a half a million Cold War non-consensual experiments. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and so the the fact that we were in this Cold War, we had a an enemy, that there was a legitimate fear, that they were extremely capable and powerful, that it was going to take every effort on our behalf to be able to meet them, and that they were ruthless, and we would have to be ruthless ourselves to meet every step they take. Is that the rationale they use to justify this kind of behavior? Absolutely. I mean, in and uh, in those uh, congressional hearings, um, that's exactly uh, what the experts said happened. And how are we going to avoid that in the future? You know, the ends justify the means. I mean, you do have to protect national security, but we have to find a way of doing it. Uh, basically, all the experts agree that non-consensual experiments are they're unconstitutional. They're they're they have to be banned. Um, well. I'm jumping ahead. So, but uh-huh. in the in the radiation hearings, the, the, which were exposed in the 1990s, um, that is what the uh, ACHRE, the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments, recommended. You have to make sure that um, you get the consent. Uh, that's part of the law. That you have to have the consent of any person uh, involved in scientific or medical experiments. Hmm. You know, you know, related to this, um, we, we've heard from Dr. Uh, uh, Colin Ross, Colin Ross, who was on our show not too long ago, very popular show. He and others, we've heard him talk about the Tuskegee experiments, where these men were exposed to, uh, you know, syphilis or other kind of uh, radiation experiments that were done, and other assaults on the unsuspecting public. So, so we've heard a little bit about this in, in some of our past shows. What is the mindset of the actual scientists and administrators who are literally conducting this work to rationalize this abuse of the unwitting members of the public, aside from the Cold War? How, when they look somebody in the eye and are actually doing this, and these people have no idea what's going on, uh, what, what is their mindset that they can ethically justify what they're doing? And do you think that same mindset persists? and impacts us in other ways today? Well, I can tell you, um, 
I'm quoting the what the experts say, hands down. You know that um, I think Eileen Wilson's book, that Plutonium Files, she really um, went into detail and um, the and talked to the scientists and um, what Hazel O'Leary, the Department of Energy secretary, who was the one who really the, uh, historic. It was a historical moment when she decided to investigate the radiation experiments that had been gone going on. And so what they found is um, the, the scientists, that scientific culture, um, you know, no remorse. The, the scientists had no remorse for what they did. You know, you had to get the job done. And um, they were worried about lawsuits. That's why they kept uh, the experiment secret for, for so long. And... Um, you had to. You had to. Uh, they they had a heavy propaganda that where the atom, atomic energy is good for you. It's going to be bring good things to the world, and and so and they suppressed the health effects. The, the you know we know today only part of the story, but we know how damaging radiation effects are. Well, you know. Leslie Groves, General Leslie Groves, testified to Congress in 1945. He said, you know, he lied to Congress right out and said, you know, don't worry about atomic energy when he knew that the scientific studies being done were showing these terrible effects from radiation. So um, you've got that culture that will lie, that will classify um, illegal behavior. That You know, it's just rampant and widespread mm -hmm. and... Um, I wrote that article for the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist, and I'm following up with a. I'm right, working on a law review article, and so mm -hmm. I'm reading a lot of the literature. And and um, you know, it, the experts all agree that 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 that's, that uh, this um, utilitarian scientific culture, Cold War culture, is persisting, and um, you can see it in the law. But basically, there um, there are no protections today, and that's. The serious concern, and um, that even after the radiation scandal, non-consensual experiments are legal in the U.S. And the the part is that even uh, many of the experts don't realize that, and so that's why that bulletin of the atomic scientist article was um, one of the first to put to. I mean, it's it needs you can't get. Um, newspapers today to publish this kind of information mm -hmm. is very hard. <laughs> Right, but I've done what I can. Mm -hmm. So that's the story. It's serious. You, you know, you I know saw, the facts are there. I saw some quotes on the very voluminous information on your website, and the quotes that I re were very chilling to me. And there was something to the effect that, you know, sometimes some people have to sacrifice for the common good and for the greater good. Um, that's it. That's but, it exactly. But the thing that I find ironic is they didn't feel the need. They have to notify these people that they were wanted to sacrifice for the common good. I I think if if they went out and said, look, we we have something, we have hard evidence that suggests that we are at great peril unless we learn this information. Would anybody, for the betterment of their country, volunteer to be subject to this? You would have people volunteer, whether they were foolhardy or not, volunteer and do it. But they didn't even go to that effort. They went and took unsuspecting people who didn't even have the choice to make that value judgment and imposed their values on these other people. And they didn't even have the guts to even at first volunteer themselves 
to do these experiments. I think there have been a few scientists who've done things with LSD and other things and had negative results. But for the most part, these scientists were too cowardly to even recommend themselves, and they volunteered unsuspecting people. Uh, is that? Do I have the gist of it, basically? You do. I would. I would agree. I would agree. It's really a human nature a question of human behavior and human nature. I mean, it, it's just. It, and it's repeating. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, that's the thing I'm interested in, is that where we are today, that kind of mindset, do you think that mindset is prevalent today in our scientific community, our community in the pharmaceutical industry, in the defense and intelligence industries? Have they found additional ways by which to apply that that ethics to people in our society? Well, what you find is no one's going to say... Um, you know, let's do non-consensual experiments. We've got to have it for national security. No one says that. But then they just do it uh, in secret. And, well, the book Mind Wars is all about that, the ethics of... Um, and what they reported is Nature magazine. I mean, that's the the top scientific um, magazine journal. And, um, you know, the there was an editorial that uh, mind, the book Mind Wars reported where um, the neuroscientists would not talk about their classified research, and the editors of Nature were were, lecture, were saying, um, you know, we've got these new weapons on the horizon that are, you know, they're talking about implants and right. brain implants and the mind reading, and we need our scientists this time. We've got to discuss these issues openly, and, and are you involved in, the, you know, how are you going to handle that? Well, they just clammed up and, and would not comment. They were they were that it's a future weapon we're not going to so i mean even the journals are saying you know there's this silence in the neuroscience community about classified research you can't get them mm. to talk nobody knows what's going on and there's billions of dollars they know that They're you know funding. what right you know what's interesting dr ross has gone back historically he and others and documented the past and i guess they talked more openly in the past about this kind of activity, including exper- experiments on unsuspecting, unwitting people. They talked about it in the literature more. And now I guess they're being a little more savvy in the Internet age where people are actually paying attention, being a little more careful with what they share. But uh, in the past, it was common knowledge that the academic community and the medical community, psychiatric community, were all on board with the government, were they not? In doing this, and it seemed like no one stepped up and, and blew the whistle on the ethics of what was going on. Uh, back then, right or now. Well, back um, then, now, no, now I guess they're yeah, a little more quiet they, about it. But. Oh, they're much more quiet. Yeah, I mean, it's just everybody will pay lip service to that. Um, no, non-consensual experiments are are they're unconstitutional. They violate, um, you know, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Eighth Amendment. Um, everybody agrees. All the law literature says, you know, non-consensual experiments are unconstitutional. It, you know, it violates it. So everyone agrees. You you can't. Con- you need. That's widely accepted that um, you have to have the consent. So everyone will say that. But then when you look at the law, there's big loopholes that allow for non-consensual experiments and allow for secret experiments. Mm-hmm. There's no safeguards. There's no government oversight. I mean, when you look at the, the facts, um, the government reports, I mean, so, and they're doing it in a very, um, 
even what I found is even the experts don't um, know that there's no legal protections today. Most people don't know that. They mm -hmm. think, well, you know, these uh, these uh, radiation experiments, and we had the Clinton memorandum to, to ban non-consensual experiments. It's the law today. No, it's not. There there were loopholes that were never um, changed, and I, I could go into all of that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. basically, um, the same thing could happen again. The same. Uh, widespread. There's more secrecy and there's more loopholes in the law. It's hard to believe, but it's true. Hmm. And I, you can. Do, I mean, it's wow. in the it's in the law. You know, it's, yes, you know, it's worse. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned about all the money being applied to it right now. That money has to go in somebody's pocket. It, it, somebody. There may be everybody has their mouth shut and says, "No, I don't go along with this." But that money has to go to somebody. Uh, in the past, there were a, a wide array of people who took money for this work, including people who were venerated, were given awards, who were, you know, held in great regard by their communities. And we find out that they were the ones that were using this money. And these communities are always looking for 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 funding, for their personal selves, for their institutions to stay open. And so, when we know large amounts of money are being dispersed, uh, we know they're being dispersed to somebody. Uh, what was the big th breakthrough? You, you 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 alluded to this a little bit, but what was the big breakthrough in 1993 in exposing one form of these secret non-consensual experiment programs? And, and what were the critical elements of the story, the critical things that occurred that led to its outcome finally? Okay, now you're talking about the radiation experiment scandal that was exposed that, in, yes. in 1990. Well, it really started with, like I mentioned, Eileen Wilson, um, she was a reporter, and she uh, there were 18 cases of um, radiation experiments in the 40s, and she went back and found the actual people and and did a, um, a, a story on a newspaper article on it, and it just was seemed to be the right time. Um, and then Secretary, Secretary Energy Secretary Hazel O'Leary. Um, said we need to investigate this, and of course, when you declassify all the documents and you call for a government investigation, then you really can get the whole picture. And it just was on—it was made headlines for mm -hmm. for that whole decade. But from what I read from your website, and I read quite a bit of material there, this particular woman was a was a fairly new reporter. She was just very determined. She did most of this work on her own time. The newspaper, which was actually more open-minded than most, still did not want her spending time on it, and she put a lot of her considerable time and reputation, and and was able to uncover one document that somehow probably missed destruction, that mm -hmm. mentioned uh, a general description of a test subject in a small town in Texas, and from there she was able to find out who this person was, uh, and yeah. one thing led to another, and once she had a living witness which was almost a fluke that they were able to find this, the rest of the story came together, and the government story just became unglued. Is that the general gist of what happened? Yes, yes, that is. And that's, she documents, I mean, she writes about that. I really like her book, Plutonium Files. She goes into all of the detail, and it just she was a, she was a very good, detailed reporter. Mm-hmm. Really, that won a Pulitzer Prize, actually, her book. Right. But she she sacrificed a lot and got um, a lot of opposition. Obviously, the government opposed oh. her. Uh, took tremendous personal effort 
to be able to find this out. And it's all, you know, people wonder about certain things, even topics we cover on Future Quake. Uh, they say, well, how could this conspiracy ever been quiet so long? If it really existed, how would everybody keep quiet? And I think this is a case where people kept quiet. Obviously, lots of people must have known about this in various forms. But nobody squealed until she happened to see an inadvertent document that missed destruction in a basement of a building out at Kirtland Air Force Base. So it's very easy to understand there's much, much more, uh, you know, underneath the water and the iceberg that has not been told yet. And there are a lot of people walking around with secrets about this, correct? Correct. I would agree. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of examples of that nowadays. Mm. You can just, well, I won't um, get off the track, but I do agree. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom Bionic. Yeah. I don't know why he's been doing this bluesy version of things, but I'll <laughs> tell you what, this topic can give you the blues when you I'll think about what. the ramifications. Beautiful segue. We're going to hear, hear more about that in the next few segments. But, mm-hmm. you know, two things come to mind with me. One is her comment that they expect that there's been at least half a million people mm-hmm. just documented during the Cold War that were exposed to something like this and just released in the public. Mm. And then the second thing is that um, I keep thinking, and I think this all week during this interview, and I want our listeners to keep thinking, where are the Christians? Why are the Christians not intervening? You know, this is, this is a complicated topic. Sure. You don't know quite know where things lead. I mean, it's so evil. Making it pretty, it pretty easily really falls in, under the purview of, you know, loving truth and justice, you know, and your fellow man. Where are the good Samaritans? For people who are on the side of the road exposed to this. They're in Samaria. You know, Jesus is wondering where they are. Yep. You know, where the where are the people intervening on these people's behalf? But I'll tell you one thing to keep in mind, because our, our later segments are a little briefer, mm-hmm. is that when you hear about what could be in the prevalence of mind control in society, you just be thankful that if you're a blood-bought member of the Bride of Christ... Mm-hmm. And in the body of of, of the Lord, mm-hmm. that you can provide protection, spiritual protection for things that your mind may not even be able to protect you against. Yeah, I know that's a that's very our only hope. It's a very important facet, especially. And maybe I don't know who exactly we get to talk on this, but you know, so much of this mind control stuff seems to be funded, cross-funded by uh, very dark organizations, the Scottish Rite Foundation, I believe. Yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. A bunch of other, bunch of yeah. other organizations that are much darker. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. But, you know, um, as you hear further on this, you, you'll almost think like there's no hope, but the Lord can provide protection, mm-hmm. and these battles are all spiritual. That doesn't mean we don't have to take physical action. we got to put feet to things and actually, mm-hmm. you know, try to rescue uh, yeah, people from these kind of things. Care. But the the strength no, and the power and the be, protection are in the spirit. You need spirit. to make money at all costs. Money. That's right. You go worship the golden calf out there on Wall Street. Well, if you want to give money to us, Merv could tell you how to do it. He can <laughs> tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. 
Actually, we're like Peter. We're not wanting your silver and gold, but we got to go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, come back tomorrow for the next segment. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. See you later. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Pretty bummed about this whole subject, but that's becoming par for the course about Future Quake. Right. Bionic. Yeah, we don't have too many sunshine and rainbow topics too frequently, yep. do we? No. But they're things that we all need to hear, particularly our Futurians out there and the people they know that, that uh, need to be told about what they hear on Future Quake. Uh, we are going to continue today our second installment of our interview with Miss Cheryl Welsh, who is the founder and director of the Mind Justice Human Rights Group. And we're talking about the struggle to expose, remedy, and eradicate non-consensual government mind control experimentation. Pretty not how to live your best life now material. Yes, yeah, pretty much the antithesis of that yeah, kind of topic. Like how evil could we get? Right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we had Dr. Colin Ross on some time ago, had an excellent show, mm-hmm. just overwhelming evidence. I mean, smoking gun, clear yeah, government by their reports. Own hand, yeah. And there's no question that exists. You know, there may be question on how pervasive, but uh, that's part of what we explored in this show with someone who uh, has co- someone who's committed their life toward trying to find help for those who have been subject to it. And uh, we appreciate her making her time on, and we probably need to go to it. All right, let's get in there. So here's Miss Cheryl Welsh in the second segment of our talking about exposing, remedying, and eradicating non-consensual mind control experimentation. We'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. How does the conduct of non-consensual experiments violate the Fourth, Fifth, and Eighth Amendments to the Constitution? Well, I think, you know, a non-legal way of putting it is, um, you know, Mind Wars, the book Mind Wars, he described it, he interviewed all, you know, experts, lawyers, just across the spectrum of people. Everybody agreed there's one non-negotiable, non-negotiable premise, and that is no one else um, should be able to decide what goes in my brain or read my thoughts, or, you know, nobody else but me. So that says it in a nutshell. You know, you, you don't want, um, the Constitution says, you know, don't no de- deprivation of life, liberty, without due process, and that includes your body. You can't, in, you can't invade another's body. And the Eighth Amendment is the cruel and unusual punishment, in which, uh, of course, experimentation fits. That's nothing, especially in the past, we know that. And then um, searches and seizures, you know, you um, the same thing. Your body, your your brain is yours, and no one else can can interfere with that. Now, everybody agrees with that. That's a that's like a principle that everyone agrees with. But of course, look what happens in reality. But that's um, that's definitely um, well established okay. legally under the Constitution. Okay. In all of the literature, in the in all of the international treaties, you know, everyone everyone agrees that with that premise. So, so even going past any kind of legal actions or policies in the meantime, going all the way back to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, there are three specific amendments in the Bill of Rights that that the, these non consensual experiments fundamentally break. 
that can't correct. be argued. That's well, um, yeah. I mean, it, it well, it's just so well established today. I mean, the medical community, everybody, uh, you know, agrees with that. Yes, the legal community, the world community, everyone. Uh, of course, there's people disagree, but but that it's just so well established. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and from what we've seen in recent years, you know, presidential administrations can have teams of lawyers who can argue ad nauseum, you know, that it doesn't do that. But common sense will tell you otherwise. Um, but this has been, you know, arguing against the obvious has sort of been commonplace, you know, in the last number of years, you know, on these things. That's how the law works, you know. <laughs> yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Good days and bad days, you know. Again. Right. But anyway. And common sense doesn't always reign in, in, in the law and, and understanding right. interpretation of it. Uh, please share with us some information on some landmark policies and treaties and other agreements since then that have acknowledged and expressed the unacceptability of non-consensual experiments uh, and, or, and attempted to some degree to try to limit their occurrence from occurring. Uh, you know, some of them that come to mind are like the Nuremberg Code, uh, John Glenn's uh, legislation, attempted legislation, the Clinton policies and the like. And, and, and what are their record of success or lack thereof of, of some of these attempts? Boy, I can answer this with a yes or a no. I mean, the history really <laughs> reveals, uh, of course, you had the Nuremberg trials with the 20 German doctors in the war crimes charged with crimes against humanity for the Nazi experiments. Uh, in World War II, that was you had the trial, and and out of that trial came the Nuremberg Code, and the first code is that the um, uh, uh, consent of the uh, the human subject, <coughs> excuse me, consent is absolutely essential. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact wording, mm-hmm. but yeah, cons- you have to have the consent, and then. Um, so then uh, what you had then in the U.S. in the 50s, uh, it was just ignored, the Nuremberg Code. It, it was incorporated into the um, ICCPR, one of the International Covenant on Political and Civil Rights. That treaty said, you know, no medical or scientific experiments without consent. So on the international level, that's, it was incorporated. And then... Um, of course, the Glenn le- legislation happened because of the radiation experiments scandal, and he was the first to say, um, you know, we have all these ethical codes, but it's not working, is it? So he, he recommended criminalizing, you know, you have to be punished for for doing non-cons- conducting non-consensual experiments. But that bill didn't pass by a wide margin. And then you had the Clinton Memorandum that said, Intelligence agencies couldn't um, conduct uh, the horrible CIA experiments again without consent. And um, because of administrative in the federal law and how um, the the common rule is the rule for experiments conducted today by the pharmacy, pharmaceutical industry, by the federal agencies, they – General, the common rule is the federal rule that says no non-consensual experiments. You have to have a uh, institutional review board. Um, uh, so that one has the loophole that the advisory committee said we need to close this loophole, and the Clinton memorandum took that up and said this will close the loophole 
But the federal agencies didn't carry that out because that's how administrative law works, and it's a long story. But So today we still have a loophole in the law. Um, so those are the highlights of for experimentation, um, non-consensual experiments, and so where we are today, where there's mm-hmm. uh, still a loophole. And all of the, even government advisory, even the experts are saying it needs to be closed, but it's not being done. Well, going back to the Nuremberg Code, where the whole world was ex- was exposed to a very modern, sophisticated Western country that were doing rampant non-consensual experiments, very harmful ones. Uh, this is before the Cold War really took off. Uh, and then they formed this code. What was the purpose of the Nuremberg Code after the trials were over? What had they hoped to use that for? Well, to say to the world, I mean, we never want this to happen again. I mean, those were such atrocious, horrific experiments. I mean, just brutal. And and so to say to the world, uh, there are books on it, um, on on the um, Nuremberg trials and some great ones. There's one called Justice at Nuremberg by Ulf Schmidt, and he, um, the uh, lawyer who actually, uh, the prosecution, uh, he actually goes into all the story of how that Nuremberg Code was was um, formed. And, and basically, you know, you never want it to happen again, in a nutshell. Right. Is, but it's a really fascinating story, very, very interesting. And um, one of those historical moments. It is still relevant today. The experts, the ethicists say um, it still applies today. It's still referred to today. Um, but what we've found from history is that um, doctors and the world ignore ethics codes. There's mm-hmm. no, if there's no teeth to it, they ignore it. That's so, in history. So this happened in a unique period of time, in between one war concluding, where people justified all sorts of terrible things to occur, and then the Cold War picking up, where people picked up again these terrible activities. And right in this little window between the two, you have all these major Allied powers, powers who are actually being judges, you know, on these these trials, and actually sort of speaking from a common humanity from what they saw in saying that this is wrong. Uh, the, the United States obviously was a signatory to this, correct? Uh, the ICCPR, yes. And, okay. of course, right, the Nuremberg trials, right. That was right. the tribunal. Right, and the code. Right. Now, was that code only intended to have sort of a moral authority based upon a consensus at that time of, you know, the, these modern nations, or did it have any other kind of authority that was expected beyond merely a, a moral authority? Is just an ethics code, no legal uh, um, authority. Okay, and so what, what, what if I understand what you said, since then there have been additional policies that were drafted and done. The the one, if I remember, with Glenn, uh, it actually went further in that it actually would have proposed criminal penalties to people who were caught having doing this. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. That would have been a first. As a as a deterrent. Right, just with any activity, you know, you, you uh, as a rule of law, you have uh, punishments, you compensate the victims, and all of the experts agree that that should be done in non-consensual, exp- not all of the experts, but a, mm-hmm. a you mean large there are people majority. people that disagree with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, people they who don't have con- say so publicly, yeah. but... <laughs> people who have conducted it uh, themselves, like pharmaceutical industry and others, they don't want to pay anybody. Sure, what but, they've done. but, well, okay, well, I mean, she said that 
She said that uh, they don't agree, at least uh, not publicly they don't agree. Because then they'd have to... National security always trumps human rights, always. Mm -hmm. Well, I shouldn't... I'm using... I shouldn't say always, but certainly history has shown in the last 50 years it has trumped human rights. Now, the Mm -hmm. other key I thought I read from your material on your site, which I recommend everybody go read... Uh, is that the, the another part of the Glenn legislation is it was also supposed to carry to carry weight against classified research as well. Is that correct? Um, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Right. And those right. are the two areas that were most difficult. But unfortunately, we did not have enough brave people in Congress to see that pass. Well, you correct? know what it is. Uh, I I really it's been really fun. Well, reading, I found a 1960s. Um, Quote, where that's where the loophole started, actually, in the 1960s, this loophole that allows for non-consensual experiments. And it was, uh, the article said that it was the pharmacy and medical lobbies that were totally against uh, a ban. So that's why they put the loophole in. And, of course, mm-hmm. people say they're against non-consensual experiments, but nobody's really for it in reality. Well, now, I watch TV commercials, and our pharmaceutical industries sound very nice. They try to do nice things for us. Okay. They they solve things like, you know, upset stomach and... and Abilify. Yeah. For you... Impotence, yeah. all these other kind of important yeah. things. But, you know, I'm not surprised that you're saying they wouldn't be for this, because when you look at massive non-consensual experiments they do on the public, like, for example, NutraSuite, yeah. that would be one where they'd have to pay a lot of money if the general public was aware yeah, that of what had happened with that. I know. Maybe we should do a show on this. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But that's. <laughs> uh, I'm just not surprised that they might be, be, be standing against this. And then so the, the Clinton policies, which, which these things come up when there is a, uh, when they get a black eye, when, when there's some event that occurs, there's a whistleblower, something comes forward, uh, it gets in the press, even, even against the wishes of the press, it gets in there anyway. Uh, and, and this information comes out, they go to save face and try to develop this legislation to make the public look like they're trying to do something. But they always put a poison pill in it, if I understand you right. And in this case, they put in a big caveat saying, uh, this all applies unless the president decides for some reason it, it shouldn't apply. That's right. That's exactly right. That's, that is how, how it works in reality. So the only thing that they're really accomplishing, it becomes obvious, is to try to look better in the eyes of the public and to appease them until the public uh, looks somewhere else. Fickle, they, they get their eyes on something else. It puts that to bed, and then it's back to business as usual, correct? Well, you know, it's really, generally speaking, it's, it is set up like that. National security is just really um, a red button for uh, that large majority of experts and so you need to do what you need to do and and they're not um as well eileen muslim in her book you know a lot of those um experiments and what moreno points out you could really you could run a lot of these experiments um in a much more ethical way in a much more humane way instead of the quick and dirty way that's been done and um, but that's just they get, they can do the quick and dirty mm-hmm. way they can get away with it so and nobody was punished nobody mm-hmm. was fined so why why do it the hard way because mm-hmm. it, it is harder to um, uh, conduct consensual experiments and to work out ethical boards and there's no doubt about it you know it, you 
human rights, protecting human rights is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier uh, oh, uh, yeah. disposing of evidence, destroying keeping, it, keeping people quiet. Keeping a secret, right. Uh-huh. Oh, just so so proud of our country. Uh, why are the yeah. legis- Why are legislators like this? Now, I think we sort of answered this question, but just to see if we've not really covered this. Why are legislators hesitant to push through legislation that puts a stop to this evil? Well, they want to get elected and stay elected and maybe do, you know, some of them are good and some of them, you know, have um, good intentions, but it's really a systematic problem at this point. I mean, there's so much money in the system and there's so much pressure and, uh, so you're saying they could actually lose, say, political contributions from some of these companies well, if they I, take I, a stand on this? Oh, well, the, there's no um, – what, what I found is there's been several – there's been legislation for the last, you know, since the – even since the radiation experiment, each year there's been legislation, a bill – um, for non-consensual experiments, but just so few congressmen support it, and it just gets, it's not accepted by the medical lobby. I mean, it's just not, it's dead in the water. You just can't get it past any of the committees. You can't, it's, um, so it's a systematic, uh, there's, the way Congress is set up, you you can't get that kind of legislation passed i mean without a even with a scandal uh, it it gets complicated because um basically con- congress when it comes to national security issues this is documented by the experts they all, they generally let the president handle so that's why experimentation law is uh, like for the intelligence agencies executive orders by the president mm-hmm. those are the ones that uh, cover um experimentation rules so, and, they, um, and the congressmen want to have clean hands in plausible deniability uh, from, from even right. messing with this. Hey, I have a suggestion, uh, uh, Ms. Welsh. Uh, this is a way to solve this problem. Why, why don't we somehow see how we can get you a billion dollars from somebody, mm-hmm. and then you <laughs> go and... Benefactor listening to Future Quick, right? You, yeah, you go talk <laughs> to these congressmen, and you just yeah. sort of have some dollars fall out of your pocket... And I wouldn't be surprised if suddenly they would get real convicted morally about solving this problem. Uh, you know, you, 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 you sort of have some generous contributions to some campaigns because I'm, it's apparent to me that's what's happening with the people on the other side of the fence uh, is, is going on. And so I, I think that's going to be the best solution is to throw a lot of money around because that appears to be the motivation uh, for our legislators, and they decide the direction that we go. You know, administrations in power, the, the executive branch, whichever party it is, um, their whole goal is to retain the power that they have. Their their main focus is to is to never give it up, just in case they might need it in the future. So, they have platoons of uh, staffers who go out and, and put poison pills in these meetings and hearings and sessions and things. But legislators are supposed to look out for their uh, local constituents. It's interesting. It's interesting hearing all this stuff because it's really just sort of like more of the same, but in this case it's, you know, incredible human ethics violations, and they're like, oh, you know, oh, well. People's lives ruined. I could be eating donuts or I could be signing this bill. I think I'll eat donuts. Well, and there may be an element of fear on behalf of the congressman as well, too, if they start crossing, you know, some of these guys. Well, sure. Uh, but <laughs> some surprising scandal might just pop up. 
on their well, behalf or things like that. You maybe know, they, they could also go to pictures. You know, C Street there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, moving on. I'm I'm sorry to beat the drum there, uh, Miss yeah. Wells. This is just indicative of a bigger problem we have, and this is right. just an acute version of it. What right. facts? What right. factors inhibit the ability? Uh, for wounded parties and the representatives to push lawsuits and find justice through the courts, for this matter? Well, I, I can give you just a, a small example, and that would be like uh, General Leslie Groves lying to Congress and then a suppression of all the scientific studies. Well, you have to have evidence in court cases, and if you don't have evidence of what you claim, that you're, you have radiation sickness and low uh then um, if you don't have that evidence, you lose your court case. And there, that's just one example of the many, many, many different ways that um, the system is rigged, legal system is rigged uh, in favor of the government in, this, in the area of experimentation law. And all of the lawyers will, you know, don't want to take those kind of cases because um, they're so tough to win and, you mm-hmm. know, and if they can't, they're not operating a charity normally unless they're some kind of civil rights attorney. So they have to see they have a reasonable right to win for all the expense they have to put out to try well, to, you know, fight a case. A lot. The, the, the government really thought ahead, and when they hired um, the corporations for, you know, for all of the atomic bomb work and testing, and um, all of those, those corporations were indemnified, so you can't sue them, you know, legally. There's a little rule in there. So, I mean, right out of the box, you, you, you're, you're denied your um, uh, compensation justice. The system doesn't work for. In, in the case of mm-hmm. non-consensual experiments. And you don't have a recourse with the government because right. the government by its very nature says it can't be sued. And so right. basically there is zero accountability and a virtual guarantee that uh, activities that are up to no good are going to happen because there's absolutely zero accountability not to. Yeah, the the, um, the bad guy is rewarded for suppressing the evidence and and. I mean, you can document all this. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a long story, but it's all there in the record, in the legal record. A terrible story. The radiation victims um, really didn't get the justice they deserve by a long shot. Now, there, there were a few things I noted in some of your documents on your website that were some of the reasons why uh, lawsuits don't work, why judges are timid. Uh, one of them is that the judges are cowed by this argument of national security. Uh, that they are hesitant to get involved in a case where the government is arguing it's a national security issue. Is that that's correct? Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I was able to take a class on national security law by um, John Sims, the famous CIA v. Sims case. Um, make a long story short. Anyway, there's not a lot of national security law classes. That's changing, but when I went to law school, it, they, it was hard to get a class in. Anyway, so I, the way national security law, there's a real difference. There's nothing in the Constitution that says the president uh, must uh, is in, in charge of national security. I mean, there's a system of checks and balances between Congress and the president, and and you know when you, it's always in the detail. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the detail, but that's it, national security is uh, just a real red button. Uh, it is important. National security is important, but it's it's gone too far the other way, and and there's too much secrecy, too much 
um, well, wrongdoing under that secrecy. Well, I would argue it is a national security issue because the people of our nation are not secure due to activities of their own government. So in the interest of national security, the security of the people of the nation, uh, the, the courts need to take action to stop a, a rogue government from doing actions that impact the national security of its people. Right, right. I, I... Now, yeah. the, <laughs> the class, I know I'm preaching to the <laughs> choir here, yeah. the classified status of many of these also is a major roadblock too, right? It is very oh, hard to yeah. break through the classified um, wall that's established, even in court. Uh, and this is everybody agree. Yeah, right. everybody says again. Everybody pays lip service. Too much secrecy. You know, it's easy to say there's too much secrecy, but when you get down to it, there's more secrecy today than the, you know. That nobody is the the system mm-hmm. is just more entrenched and more secret and mm-hmm. just. It's uh, it's really sad because I I did grow up in the 60s and 70s and you know it's a different world today I guess that's a sign of age but, mm-hmm. but well, I have to tell you I'm really sad what's happened with um, our our government to well, me I'm yeah. I am worried I am worried you know um, well I think it's gone back you know we look at the 1950s as being this idyllic time and I think it is only because we've not turned off enough rocks. And saw this stuff going on behind the scenes, right. you know, that people weren't weren't aware of. A, a few other things you mentioned quickly: uh, a lack of being able to identify victims because there's not a paper trail to be able to find them and confirm. Uh, witnesses that have witnessed these things, their death, just because of the long period of time to actually discover this thing occurred. Um, there's all sorts of loss of incriminating data, data that's actually destroyed, things that just disappear naturally makes it hard to create a trail. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, so glad he's not been mind-controlled by Onik. And how do you know you haven't been? Uh, I still come here. <laughs> well, how do you know? That would probably, uh, it would require mind-control to bring you into the studio. And drag oh, that's you in. true. Yeah, Pyro could be controlling you and me both, and we yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, um, speaking on that topic, not to make too much light of it, but um, <clears throat> I believe the blood of Jesus protects us to a certain extent of things mm-hmm. we're vulnerable to. Yeah. But that's not to say that there are not more subtle, nuanced ways that we are, we are influenced. I mean, Madison Avenue themselves have things where we, we'll make impulse buys, mm-hmm. uh, things that, you know, ideas put in our head, and it, that is a minor form of mind control. Sure. We may not recognize it, but it is a coercion that we're just not aware of. We're just sitting out here and watching. And protection. Just we sitting need to out here watching TV in the, yeah. you know, the third, the, 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 the third, the upper lounge there at the Future mm-hmm. Quake. Like the blue room for our guests. Yeah. 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 The third, the third one though. Mm-hmm. Over there, I felt, you know, watching TV, it made news. Me this was news. That yeah. news. Well, it wasn't really news. It well, was both the news and, the, yeah, I know. But, um, it's something that, yeah. That we're vulnerable to it, and we need to start realizing that they call this stuff programming for a purpose. Yeah. And someone else who can program you is Merv, who can convince you to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Let's get out of here. Come back for the third installment tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no fan of mind control, bionic. There's a lot of stuff you're no fans of. It's true. I suggest you write a book one day that just says no fan of dot, dot, dot. That's a good idea. And then you could just put a long laundry list in there. Yeah. And then your second book could be my middle name is dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, actually, actually, at the last day's conference, I did use the longest middle name uh, on record. Really, is it the, uh, um, what, what's the record book, people? Guinness Book, have they certified it? As uh, well, no, as no, but it's on tape. Okay. So it, it went, hi, I'm Tom. Uh, welcome to my talk on sleep paralysis. We ran out of time. Yeah. <coughs> well, we got to go. we got to get on to our guest. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's good to have you here with us. We have a very important guest, and we're going to join her for a third installment of an interview with her. And this is Ms. Cheryl Welsh, who is the founder and director of the Mind Justice Human Rights Group. And uh, we're talking about the struggle to expose, remedy, and eradicate non-consensual government mind control experimentation. So a very important topic, uh, and not to make light uh, you know, in our discussions because we have lots of serious topics here, but this is a very, very important one. And I think you're going to find this, this discussion very important. So with no further ado, here's Ms. Welsh, and we'll be back to discuss it here at Future Quake. And then there's something called the Ferris Doctrine and the concept of judicial uh, uh, restraint. I may not have pronounced that right, but can you comment a little bit about uh, the Ferris Doctrine and judicial restraint? Well, that's a uh, doctrine that's been a while. I should have looked that up again. But, um, you know, basically there were some court cases and and, um, the Supreme Court uh, ruled that that, – government sovereignty um, uh, in uh, military situations um, prevails over um, any claims by uh, uh, wrongs. Um, The judicial restraint uh, was the, um, uh, let's see, well, basically, you've got three branches of government. You've got the legislature, mm-hmm. the Congress, and the president, the executive branch. And so those are three. They keep, you keep those separate, and with, it's a system of checks and balances. And so judicial restraint, that, that means that um, the, Cong, uh, judge, the judicial system doesn't want to interfere with the executive branch and what their job is and what Congress's mm-hmm. job is. And so they, they use that res- that's a doctrine of restraint mm-hmm. that, no, this is an area that national security is an area that the president would have more um, – he, he would have more knowledge and facts, and he knows the whole story. And mm-hmm. so we're going to defer to him, and he says that, um, you know, we don't – we don't need to interfere with something involving national security, and it's a real um, uh, even law, even the legal uh, scholars, you know, say that this has gone too far. And so there's arguments both sides. But well, you know, really the the early days of the Supreme Court, you read that they saw their role, and even the founding fathers, 
as one to try to restrain excesses of the other two branches and bring it back to constitutional rights. So that they they are are falling down on their role of of stopping excesses by the executive branch itself, uh, and it's just very very disheartening. Um, what, what groups mo- moving beyond sort of the the general atmosphere? Can you talk about some specific groups and individuals who have taken activity to block progress on this issue? Well, that that is pretty easy. So you had the radiation experiments and Clinton you know, uh, said we're going to ban non-consensual experiments. And then the Bush administration came in. And um, you really, you know, it's hard to believe, but uh, non-consensual experimentation law is worse today than before the Bush. um, uh, There's, uh, uh, let's see, I'll stick to one example. The Department of Defense has a directive. In other words, each each federal government says has their own individual rules on how the federal common rule for experiments will be um, implemented in their departments. So uh, Paul Wolfowitz in, in 1983, he said, you know, he said, we're going to follow the Health and Human Services common rule and generally speaking, and then they lay out the directive. Well, in 2002, um, he issued another um, directive and he did not incorporate the advisory committee's recommendation to close the loophole. He did not uh, put the uh, Clinton memorandum. Uh, he did not incorporate that into the directive. So, I mean, he just, you know, they basically said, we we believe in non-consensual experiments. I mean, basically, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's an example of, of how you block you uh, you allow for non-consensual experiments to continue. We're not going to punish our military personnel or scientists who conduct these. You know, when it comes down in a court case, you've got the directive, and you know the victim wouldn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. If you get get my idea. Well, now uh, two names that come up uh, every once in a while on our show, back through history, are uh, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, in different things they've been involved in, COINTELPRO, other kind of issues, FEMA. Uh, they're involved in, in militarizing FEMA, things like this. Building the Death Star. Did, didn't they also have some role in this issue in trying to form some roadblocks to certain aspects of non-consensual experiments coming out? Well, do you mean in the 70s and the Olson case? Are right, you in the that? Olson case. Yeah, if you could yeah. just very briefly tell our listeners what the Olson case is about and what role they played. Well, um, a UC Davis um, researcher who wrote a, a new book called uh, Real Enemies recently, there, that's a book out, um, she she found an old document in, while she was doing her research by uh, Cheney and Rumsfeld, I think, uh, and they they basically wrote uh, what so many others have written, that we're, we don't want to risk a lawsuit, so we're going to keep this information on Olson's secret. He was the one, the scientist that jumped in the 1950s, or they say he was pushed, he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Given um, LSD, he, right? Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So basically, uh, Cheney and Rumsfeld continued that, um, you know, we're going to keep this secret. We don't want a big lawsuit. We don't want this out. It would hurt and damage national security. And so this UC Davis researcher found this document that, you know, that they they were actually involved with suppressing the information. 
And these are two guys who have, uh, you know, you know, they're real darlings of the evangelical community that we reach out to. Are they? Well, they're, they're well they have been, yes. No. And, I don't know about now, but. Well, yeah, they still are. Really? Uh, highly regarded. Wow. And uh, th- th- these guys get around a lot. They their Their name pops up on all sorts of things like this. And, and I don't see how, uh, you know, providing injustice for the family of Mr. Olson is something that, that has an innate natural, national security interest. So I just want to make sure our listeners are aware of, of who some of the players are in this kind of thing. Uh, could, could biological non-consensual experiments also be underway uh, in the area of, say, gene and DNA modifications today? Uh, the biological direction and nanotechnology to alter us in unseen ways for military purposes. You know, it takes the same mindset that they've used to, via chemicals and, and psychedelics and electromagnetic mind control to modify who we are psychically. Could they be using biological means today to try to accomplish something similar and, and non-consensually? Well, I'll tell you what I know about that. I I don't follow that issue. Um, I really focus on my on the issue of um, neuro weapons and and the electromagnetic uh, radiation, non lethal weapons. But I do know of um, the Washington Post article. Um, for, uh, let's see, 1998 about where um, uh, then CIA director Stansfeld Turner. Um, either lied or actually didn't know. Uh, we all know that John Marks wrote Search for the Manchurian Candidate in the 70s, and he uncovered the CIA experiments. Well, he found new documents that showed that there was another larger uh, program as large as that uh, MKUltra, uh, the experiments that continued on into the 70s. Well, that was never investigated by Congress. That was Stansfield Turner, Turner said they were all stopped. All of those experiments had stopped, but this document showed that another very super secret one for behavioral control, it included biological, genetic, mind control was listed in this document. And so we know it continued, and that's never been investigated. It was a large program. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't hear from victims alleging that, mm-hmm. but, you know, you've got the documents that say it continued, and no one mm-hmm. can say what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I know your hands are full just dealing with the mind control aspects, the use of chemicals, electromagnetic radiation to alter our reality, what we understand, how to manipulate us to do certain things. But we now live in an age of biology where where man can, can, can customly construct uh, genes, DNA structure, create chimeras, other creatures. He can actually take it and put it inside people against their knowledge. Could be in a military hospital, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know their military documents are saying that they're trying to alter the physiology of soldiers so that they can really? fight for many, many days without sleep. Uh, so like, they have. They give me like bat wings? Well, they're, they're trying to give superhuman abilities, and this yeah. is in. The military document, and this is, you know, when I when I worked on behalf of the military establishment, these were the briefings that I got unclassified. Really? These are unclassified ones. Who knows what the classified? But but actually modifying the physiology uh, of people to accomplish certain things. So are you a super soldier? No comment. <laughs> Just hyper intelligence is what they gave me. But no, seriously. That's true. And, and good looks. Now, uh, 
but anyway, that's just something I think to keep in mind on, and we need a uh, Cheryl Welsh of the biological community to step up and work hand-in-hand with you uh, to trade notes uh, on this particular issue. Do you think, and this is a question that I, that somewhat we ask uh, Dr. Ross, but I want your opinion on this. Do you think nationwide that our, our homeless shelters, our psych wards, places like this are actually full uh, of such victims of experiments like this? And, and could killing sprees or other kind of violence in society sometimes be presumed to be possibly connected to some of these victims that have been exposed to these mind control experiments? Well, that is really a tough question. Um, I, I, uh, well, it gets into um, the the problem today, and with my the issue of mind control is there's no way to differentiate a mentally ill person from a victim alleging mind control experimentation. So, um, you know, it's only the person can can judge at this point. That that is the problem. There is no proof. Solid proof. There is a testimonial of a person. You know, there have been people who claim that they're mind controlled, the government's targeted them, who are, you know, in homeless shelters, killing sprees, as you say. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't hear a lot from those kind of, kind of cases. I can, so I can only speculate. Um, um, the cases I hear that I worry about are the, like, the new case I have on my website. Um, the case in Bhutan, Bhutan, Bhutan mm-hmm. the human rights um, activist who uh, was uh, alleges torture with uh, mind control in prisons in Bhutan, and he's a world-renowned activist, and he's alleging that. And then you have uh, Zelaya, who uh, recently was in the news, who alleged microwave targeting with microwaves. And so you've got these, what I, what I worry about the use of these weapons is, you know, you're suppressing, uh, freedom, free speech, you're suppressing movements, you know, um, you, so, uh, you know, no doubt with the radiation experiments, you go to the wrong hospital and you get experimented on. And I know, I, but I just don't hear about those cases as much. And I don't, I try not to speculate and, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you just well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not asking you about a specific one, but I'm just saying at the beginning of our show, you quoted I think a number, if I remember right, uh, of the best estimates of how many people have been subject to these kind of mind control experiments. What what kind of numbers were we talking about? Well, I just know uh, earlier when I first started my group in the 1996 on, you know, it, I'd get like four or five every mm-hmm. um, week that would contact me. It's really hard to say, in the thousands. And then now there's other groups on the Internet, and so they don't always see my website. So I don't, yeah. I, you know, I just know that they're worldwide. There's just a huge group in Russia who are alleging the same thing, mm-hmm. who have, are written up in, when the breakup of the Soviet Union, right. and they were published in India is a big one, Europe is a big one. I mean, they're just... China, so, China would have to be big. I mean, hence the Manchurian candidate. You know, they were always blamed as one of the ones starting this mess, right? Yes, uh, yes, yes. I do hear. Maybe I, I don't have a good memory, but I was thinking that you had quoted some kind of reference that gave some estimate of how many people had been exposed at the beginning of our show. Does that ring a bell with you? 
It doesn't. I'm sorry. Well, I, I just know you, the ones that have. I can only speak for yeah. the ones that contacted me, and just you know that a half a million of Cold War experiments went on, and so you know that. Well, um, that's the number know. I'm looking for. <laughs> oh. That's it. Bingo. Half a million. Uh, the known. Those are the known. The known ones. War. Okay. Yeah. Let's just take half a million people that have done something that create a, could create a psychotic episode or some other kind of physical ailment. Those people had to have gone somewhere. They they went through and percolated through society. Uh, you know, I've read some of these documents from Dr. Ross and others where they were dumped off at psych wards or other kind of places, just dumped without any information uh, and left there. But but that many people cannot just be dumped in the population unless they're killed on the spot and not have some impact on society at large. Oh yes, I would agree. Uh, you know, that's that's got to have had some kind of uh, Impact that also is a multiplier to possibly hurt other people, particularly if they have violent psychotic episodes or or flashbacks or whatever what they've experienced. Uh, this becomes again a national security issue because this becomes a threat to the average public uh, to to be exposed to this. Mm. Um, do you think these types of experiments? may be underway on detainees in Guantanamo Bay or similar black detainment centers today? Well, I I do now more so, even more so. Well, we know the book Men Who Stare at Goats. That was New York Times reviewed. John Ronson wrote that one. He claimed that uh, the mind control patents uh, went black. You know, he did a little research in his book, and and he said the Iraqi detainees told him that they were being, they thought they were lab rats and being experimented on. So there's claims, and of course, you know, those get dismissed as nut cases, and you're mentally ill, and the torture made you crazy, and um, so it's never investigated. Mm. So it's yeah. just torture. So, so in other words, they may not be guilty of mind control, just run of the mill torture. torture. Uh, is all that's that that's how they're trying to save face with these people yeah the the uh no touch torture you know that new mm-hmm. form of torture it's a real science nowadays right. and so i do think there's a cock crossover i mean it wouldn't it be obvious that if you had the the uh biological way of mo- doing of mind control then you would you would use it for torture now now there i mean all of these other um detention facilities they have, the rendition program where they fly people away to who knows where. Uh, those people almost virtually don't exist anymore, as far as anyone knows. They seem to me would be ideal candidates to do these kind of experiments. Uh, I know it's a little bit of a speculation, but, but wouldn't that be a well, large pool of people to use for something like this? Oh, I, I will tell you, um, my experience with, I mean, my experience with uh, the people that uh, contact me, who I think their allegations are true, um, whoever's, you know, I think the government is behind most of this, you know, testing. The brain is so complex, you're going to have to run all kinds of testing so that you can know how the brain works and how you can neutralize the enemy and you can, you know, target the enemy and read their thoughts and surveil them and, I mean that's basically what the victims that contact me allege in very in a there's a cluster of symptoms that they generally all um you know agree with anyway they um you know they don't kill you they 
they just discard you. It's a very they don't care. They don't care if you go to the media, you you do this, that, or the other. You're it, it really isn't part of their mentality and thinking. They don't care if you are, are die or you say you're a mind control victim. I mean, you are just. Um, it just doesn't matter to them. That's been my experience. I mean, it's inconsequential. You're considered a nutcase. In our society today, aren't we labeled tinfoil crazies? You know, you allege that the government is is targeting you or doing any of this. Um, you are considered a nutcase, a conspiracy nut. You know, you believe in conspiracy theories. And Except uh, our so history books belial that. When you look at the uh, Tuskegee experiments... When you see the other radiation experiments, other things are going, what's already been documented and confirmed, they would verify those positions rather than bring them into fuller question. Yeah, I'm sad to say. I think it'll be another, you know, 40, 40 years, and we'll have a big scandal, and we'll find out what mm -hmm. happened, and that they have these new weapons that are comparable to the atomic bomb. I mean, everyone says that once you figure out how the mind works and you make these weapons, I mean, there there's huge ethical... It's all over. It's all yeah, over so when that happens. It's a different world, right, right. It, it's all over when that happens. Uh, it, you know, what concerns me more is that when these things do come out now, you hear more of a collective yawn yeah. uh, when it comes out. <laughs> Uh, people are like, well, so our government does bad things. I, you know, I you know it's interesting you mention that because it seems like when we talk about uh, not just this issue but so many other issues, it seems like people at large are so um, just so incredibly bent, so singularly focused on making money or making a name for themselves or, mm -hmm. or gaining power through conventional or means. How about, how about this? I know personally I feel that I can't make a difference. I can't change right. the world. Mm -hmm. In the 60s, you could change the world. Yeah, right, yeah. And it's just reality. You can't change the world. And so I, mm -hmm. I think that's a lot, big part of it, cynicism, mm -hmm. you know. And, well, and you know, back then you would actually go to a, to a little club or somewhere else to sit down and talk with people about these issues. Now people don't have to do that. They go home. They have all sorts of entertainment on their television and Turn cable. On the TV and it dancing with the stars, but everybody cocoons in their no, home, and nobody looks each other in the eye and says, where's our humanity anymore? It's like taking a big Xanax and yeah. put that TV on. Yeah, it's a, yeah, we have a society basically collectively uh, on it. Um, <clears throat> what, what are some of the human symptoms of being exposed to the current electromagnetic and other lethal and non-lethal devices designed for mind control and other nervous system attacks? Uh, in other words, what do the victims report that? that right. What what has been reported or documented? The, the the actual side effects. I mean, the the immediate effect of applying it, and then you know possibly long term effects too. Well, um, you know, basically, I think it's done. Uh, you know, just from what I've you know I've been at this twenty years, and I've really uh, tried to and talked to just thousands of victims, and and. Um, so well, I tell you what the victims say. You know that they're from mainly they were from Russia and the United States when I first got into this, and so it's a 24/7 um, targeting. So you're you're surveilled for 20 24 hours a day, nonstop. For it goes on for years. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what they're reporting, and and it's very sophisticated stuff. You're um, some of it's just 
basic physiology like your heart rate speeds up and slows down, your bowel movements are regulated, you can have illnesses that turn on and off in an instant, pain that turns on and off in an instant. So you know it's not your own body, it's it's something from outside. So, um, and then the microwave hearing is a real big one, you know, uh, where you hear voices in your head and no one else hears them. You know, that there's military technology that can do that. It's classified. Well, now, they That's use something now in marketing where someone can walk through a city square and there is, there is a, like a billboard, and it can make it sound like only you hear it. It walks in a very spot right on the ground, and you hear it, and nobody around you hears it. And as soon as you step away, you can't hear it. Right, right, and that that isn't like that's not. I mean, that doesn't go through walls and buildings and things right, like that. But, right, but I'm just saying that's like what's been form. commercialized. Yeah, it's yes, a more yes, primitive. Exactly. Yeah, the classified would be really advanced, and the unclassified would be 20 right. years behind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, and um, so it's just real harassive, and it's real Pavlovian stimulus response kind of stuff, and and sleep deprivation is a huge one. You know, I, I, that's just, um, and victims say, so I don't know how much more you want me to get into it, but, you huh. know, they can target your, your brain and your nervous system mm-hmm. remotely, remotely. And so people, like, uh, you you try to escape it. You, or if you go to a private investigator and says, try to document it, we'll leave the state, leave the country, see if it follows you. And, you know, on planes, in trains, under you know, just wherever it is, just very sophisticated. It can it can target you, mm-hmm. and of course, then you read the literature, the science literature. What does the military future weapons look like? Well, that's exactly what they're describing: electromagnetic weapons, which can target you remotely, can cause your muscles to paralyze, can can read your thoughts, can target you anywhere in the world. I mean, there are th- these are this is research that they're funding and have been funding for a very long time, the electromagnetic non-lethal weapons. So that's basically it in a nutshell. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, Ferris Doctrine? Bionic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. not good. No. Uh, basically, this whole thing, you know, I got sort of worked up yesterday, I know, on the interview, and it sort of lingered today about... It just becomes so clear the widespread corruption of our leadership. And I'm not talking about the people who are actually conducting these mind control. I'm talking about legislators and others who yeah, like, oh, will say, oh, yeah. human rights violation or yeah. getting reelected. I'm going to get reelected. Yeah. And, uh, Let's cut down to brass tacks here. They're, they're cowards. And they either just want money to get reelected or they're fearful of something else or they just don't want to touch it and go there. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're there for is to help protect us. And so, ladies and gentlemen, you better look after yourself and your family. Be very careful of what comes in your heart and mind. And I would say be right with the Lord. You well, better be pray very strongly. I mean, that's good for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But, but I mean, really be prayed up to protect. You know, the Bible says guard your hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. And literally, we need that. We need that from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, from little little did David know, he when he wrote that, you know, he would be thinking about... You know, mind control. Well, you know, there's cases in Acts about certain sorcerers that talked about how they were, basically, the whole town was basically enchanted yeah, by yeah, these Phillips, workers. Uh, Philip, yeah, yeah, Philip and yeah. Samaria there. And uh, so, you know, if that was true then, they just have other science that mm-hmm. looks like magic today that does the same thing. Speaking of people who are mind control, let's bring Mish in here, or Merv in here. <laughs> Mish. That's not a very nice thing to say to, about Merv. Come on, mind control subject. Tell them how to contact us at Future Quake. 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. He's not mind-controlled. That explains a lot about her. At least we hope not. We've got the cat out of the bag. Ladies and gentlemen, come back tomorrow for our last segment. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And Tom, I'm a secret weapon. Bionic. I feel it applied against me every week. Somehow I, I survive it. Okay, that's good enough. <laughs> There's a serious topic this week, as always, on Future Quake. Uh, we are talking with Ms. Cheryl Welsh, who is the founder and director of the Mind Justice Human Rights Group, and that's at mindjustice.org. Highly recommend you go there, read the information that's there. And we're talking this week about the struggle to expose, remedy, and eradicate non-consensual government mind control experimentation. Very important topic. This is our last segment. We really mm-hmm. forecast for the future what the future holds in this last segment. This is scary stuff, really. This is really, really scary. And you know. we uncover more and more information that shows it's legit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even on our news segments, we talk yeah. about this stuff. Yeah. And, ladies and gentlemen, you better take it seriously. I believe that there's evidence in Scripture that shows it's going on. Um, you know, you look in Revelation 18, and it says, All the nations of the earth are deceived by these activities by the merchants of the earth and the kingdoms of the earth. And uh, we know government does it for their own power, but we also know industry does it for their purposes, mm-hmm. their own monetary power and other things. Mm-hmm. You are controlled when you go in the grocery store. You're controlled uh, every time you make a purchase, watch this TV, and then sometimes it's even more insidious. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's go to our last segment with Ms. Uh, Cheryl Welsh of the Mind Justice Human Rights Group, and we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. You know, I'm just thinking about the, what has been disclosed, even in, in documents. We, we know that there were some devices like this in, the, I believe, the American embassy in Russia, where they not only had bugs to listen, but they had low-frequency uh, emitters from the light bulbs that could have all sorts of physical effects. They even, even President Carter was exposed to these, from what I've read, and had uh, really bad physical ailments. After he left, an exposure to them. Was that food? Well, it, that could be it too. But I, be, I believe they were, they've tracked it to some certain devices that were in the embassy that wow. caused this, if I'm correct. Uh, but but since then, we have devices. Now I'm just thinking about what we know as the quote less than lethal devices. We have microwave weapons that they now advertise and brag about will boil the water on the end of your your skin. Uh, you have uh, certain sounds that will make you just start vomiting immediately as soon as you hear it when you're exposed to that particular sound, and it's a very narrow beam. This narrow beam will immediately just cause you to collapse. 
Uh, but then there's the long-term stuff like you're, you're referring to, where you hear voices, where you hear these other kind of things. That we've even reported on our show about weapons that will um, uh, <laughs> have pretty bizarre effects, like even promote homosexual encounters in the in the trenches and create this amorous, almost like a love potion thing. But these are actual government documents that they used at Vietnam to have these kind of impacts they yeah, had. I, remember, I mean, I it's bizarre, bizarre yeah. things. Um, so we should not be so quick to dismiss somebody to say, well, you're just out of your head if you hear these things, because one is they could be real and actually reading your mind, controlling or doing things, or they could have even done something like a psychedelic they've given you that is partially real and partially they've altered your reality. So in either case, it's an assault on the body uh, itself. Uh, yeah. what, what kind of society will we be living in if this behavior, uh, activity, and mindset becomes more pervasive, uh, particularly when it's used outside of conventional warfare, like for political or other purposes, and is used against the general public if it is not already? Well, that um, what what a lot of people miss, I think, is that um, the electromagnetic weapons, the non-lethal weapons, it's an intelligence weapon. So, uh, you know, it works by keeping it secret. If you can uh, read somebody's thoughts or you can target, if you can make their heart stop and have a heart attack remotely, um, you know, that's a weapon, that's a source and a method that you, you don't ever reveal. It's going to be classified. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, these electromagnetic weapons leave no trace. That's their, their, that's why they're so, that's why the, it's, why I'm really concerned. Um, I looked, you know, you look, a lot of um, the experts compare the new mind control weapons with the atomic bomb. And um, so you had the Manhattan Project, and General Leslie Groves ran the Manhattan Project. He testified before Congress in, 19, in the 1945 afterwards, uh, you know, and then they formed the Atomic Energy Commission and how they're con- con- going to control this science. And really interesting um, hearing. And so he he testified about secrecy. You know, how much secrecy do we need? Do we need to classify um, the history of of, uh, of the Manhattan Project and how much this, do we keep secret of science? And so his testimony, he had a great quote, and it will be on my website soon, but he said, um, the most important thing to keep secret from your enemy is is that it works. If you can if you can keep a weapon, and so then they have to spend all that time and energy developing it themselves, trying ways to right. fail, and so um, this is what you find with there's three strands of the mind control research. There, you, if you look at the CIA's mind reading program, their uh, uh, non-lethal electromagnetic weapons programs, and their surveillance, human sur- targeting and tracking a human, like reading brain waves. Uh, remotely, all of that research began in the 50s, and um, if you trace those three strands, those are the deepest secrets of the nation. I mean, what you get is disinformation and propaganda. It's laughed off. Oh, that's too sophisticated. You blah blah blah. And um, but you find there's really extreme secrecy around those three areas. And so for 50 years. I mean, they began looking about at that in the 1950s, and yet not one weapon has ever been revealed in those three areas. We have no mind reading. We have no non-lethal weapons except this heating weapon, 
Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, what I'm saying is Grove was right. They they are keeping these electromagnetic weapons secret. They are not letting the enemy know that it works. Well, they're not letting the public know because we know um, usually the enemy can, um, as they did with the Manhattan Project, they, they're spies. And, you know, so on another level, um, other countries know about this technology, I would think, but... So you read about secrecy, and um, it's mainly to keep the public in the dark. And so you have the atomic bomb, and the big fear is you, you drop the atomic bomb, and everyone knows it works. Right. You have these electromagnetic weapons, and I, I really feel like the, the um, ethicists, and the, they are, they're saying that the mind weapons are in the future, but if you look at the history of the science of mind reading, the electromagnetic weapons, um, and and the um, surveillance. I mean, those are the most classified areas of research. I think the public should be concerned. And then you mm-hmm. tie that together with what the victims are alleging. Since the 60s, the victims go back to Russia in the 1950s, talking, you know, um, the prison experiments and uh, using mm-hmm. the electromagnetic energy. So, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to be... Um, but I think there's there's facts there that the public should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, related to what you just said, if someone wanted to use a conventional weapon um, against the, the the wishes of the American public here, it's going to be pretty obvious something happened. If a, if a, if a bomb goes off, you, you know a bomb went off. Uh, even a nuclear weapon... If it goes off, you know what happened. Everybody witnessed it and what happened. Now, they might blame it on a terrorist uh, and cause something like this to create war fever so that they can profiteer more, and I suspect that goes on pretty frequently. But when you're talking about mind control weapons, when you're talking about things that actually impact what we understand, and there's enough data that's out there already, just the data I've seen from your side, Dr. Ross, and others, to understand that that's available, we no longer know what reality is anymore. We don't even, we can't even know whether we ourselves have been subject to something like this or not, correct? Well, um, you talk to the victims. Um, they can, you know, I think they could do it without your knowledge. I mean, because if they're reading your thoughts or what the victims are alleging, it can, it can, or they could, the victims that contact me are just, it's painful, it's harassing. You know it, you know. Um, so, but I, they can also do it uh, covertly. Mm-hmm. Well, how are we to know that the public at large is not already being exposed to weapons like this? Well, you know, it's really. I, I'm not the first to sound the alarm. There was a uh, Dr. Robert O. Becker. I'll just be brief, but he was an uh, electromagnetic radiation um, expert. He goes back to the 50s, 60s, 70s. He actually was a consultant to the CIA and. Uh, for uh, doing uh, work on the electromagnetic radiation. and So he wrote a book in the 80s, um, uh, Body Electric, really good book, and also Cross Currents. And so he lost government funding because he spoke out, and he warned about these weapons. And um, so he he already warned that these weapons, we should be worried, just like I said earlier, you know, that these weapons can be used. He talked about the microwave hearing, that the mm-hmm. you know the U.S. alleges Russia used it. Um, so he was a two-time uh, Nobel nominee, uh, as reported in the Guardian newspaper. You know, I mean, he he 
he go, he's one of the few who spoke out, the few really prominent scientists who spoke out. And so there's all these warning signs. He heard rumors of of um, behavior control research, very classified, and and um, you know, but rumors. How do you how do you mm-hmm. expose this to the public? So I'm not the first to say it, but it just never reaches mainstream press. Mm-hmm. The history but, is really interesting. But I mean, this would be. Um, obviously used as a great tool for accomplishing political ends within our own country. Well, that's what Dr. Becker said, in, you know, in his book. You should be worried. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's silent. It's it's uh, leaves no trace. Yeah, you know that it's the science is sound. There's nothing that says there's no physical physics principle. A uh, Freeman Dyson, you mm-hmm. know, there's a top physicist. There's no he says. There's in one of his books, Imaginary Worlds. There's no physical reason why you can't develop mind control weapons. That that famous Michio Kaku who wrote right. a new book on, he mm-hmm. says there's no physical principle saying that you can't develop these weapons. But it's a hundred years in the future. <laughs> that's that's what everyone yeah. now is saying. I remember. But it's classified, you know. Right. But they don't talk about the 50 years right. of classified research and no weapon, not one to show for it. You know, just a heating weapon. That's the only microwave weapon we know of. For the all rest the, is classified. All the money's been spent. <laughs> all the dollars have been spent. They haven't just been spent idly. Uh, and you know that movie, Men Who Stared Goats, almost seems to me to be an effort at disinfo, to make a joke out of it, uh, right. to make them look yeah, like buffoons, yeah. as, as a way to to sort of laugh this off as uh, you know oh. crazy government buffoonery. Well, look at you know if you look at the law, you could you, no one's going to be punished for non-consensual. I mean, the system is just set up for. I mean, as, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you, you, if you look at the facts, it just supports a whole other story. But the bottom line is, all of us right now, our listeners, others, possibly could be exposed to some facet of this right now and just not be aware of it. It's called future quake. <laughs> Well, well I, you know, half a million out of the population of the United States, I, I don't mean, you know, it's just more of a problem like the atomic bomb. I, I, you know. But they could be more subtle. You know, you're talking about cases where people were isolated, individual subjects. They were tightly controlled experiments. They were released. Uh, you know, that's a huge number of people that percolated. But, but once they've already done that work and perfected their work, Who's to say they don't use it on communities and on right. larger groups of people? Case in point, uh, just recently, information came out declassified uh, to explain why an entire community, a large village in France back in the 50s, went absolutely bonkers one day in the 50s, started attacking each other, jumping out of windows, committing suicide. Many of the people died. Many of them were hauled off to the sanitarium. They thought that they had gotten some kind of... Um, you know the ma- mushrooms, you know, in the in the bread or something that caused it. Turns and out they, the CIA was putting LSD in the bread. Yes, yeah, well, they, and they were spraying it in the air. The documents that, were uncovered; they were spraying LSD in the air and causing this. Now that's an entire community, non-consensually, that are having this applied. Who's to say that we're not having this right now? That alters our understanding of reality. What goes on? It's hard to think like a military national security expert would think to protect the United States that you would need to do that. Uh, there, there's a certain degree of, uh, uh, 
I, I, I don't know what your fiendishness. Insanity. Um, uh, pure evil. Like evil, like in a physical sense. You can hold it in a yeah. kind of evil. But just remember, we're the good guys. We're don't the worry. Americans. So if we do it, and we have a good reason for doing it. So. Uh, <coughs> what? Okay, we get it. Uh, what types of mind and nervous system weapons do you foresee emerging on the horizon? Well, I, I think the public, this is just too important of a weapon to risk anything. They're going to keep the science and the weapons secret as long as they can. And, of course, an intelligence weapon, if, they, if, you, if you, the U.S. public, knows that the, the capability to read one's thoughts and surveil a person is a U.S. weapon developed, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not as effective. But if you don't know that, I mean, what a weapon. <laughs> you, can, you can murder people. You can, do, you can uh, control how you vote. You, can, can, you know, it's just right. a, such a super, super weapon. So I just think um, you'll get things like this. There's a Sony patent that's classified. There's a lot of games out there for reading your brain waves and, and manipulating mouses and, you know, just rudimentary mind reading, that type thing. But I, I just think the, the, the real, the real weapons are. They're going to just really keep it um, uh, minimal. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 in the next, the development. I mean, if it took 50 years for a heating weapon to be declassified, I mean, it's going to take decades mm-hmm. for anything significant to come out. You've got the microwave weapons coming out in the like Zelaya, that case where he alleges the microwave weapon was used targeting him and mm-hmm. very you know minimal weapons what if, what if you just used it on a few select people like supreme court justices for example you you could have a real multiplicative effect if you took certain strategic members of the public and did non-consensual activities to them well you know you're, it's up to the imagination. I mean, it's hard for me to think like that, but, you know, mm-hmm. I just know the victims that contact me, and mostly they're people who are, uh, I mean, they're, they're human rights activists. Now, that's something new to, mm-hmm. to, you know, you can see usually it was the prisoners and um, the disenfranchised, but now it's more mainstream people, and, and then now it's the human rights famous activists and like Gloria Naylor and writers who are, um, speak their mind. So, you know, who knows what's mm-hmm. next? What's next? Well, um, <clears throat> re, uh, there may be some skeptics, probably a lot of skeptics in our audience who are saying, this is just too much for me. You've gone too far. Right. I can't accept this. And I want to know if you could tell those people what are some data that they can find that would best uh, solve any kind of skepticism they have about this. And also, uh, I want to ask you, when you have people who come in for treatment to you, what, what is a real litmus test that you can use to find out if these people have really had an event like this versus just having other mental issues or, or other reasons other than being exposed? So could you comment on those two, please? Okay. Um Okay, well, it's, I'll, I'll take that last one first. Um, the victims that contact me know absolutely that they're targeted, this outside source that's causing whatever symptom. I mean, it's just not something that you would think. It doesn't come, you know your body, you know how you think and feel, and so you're going to know it if you're targeted for any non-consensual experiment. That's number one. And, and basically, there's no, there's no test 
You know, there's no way to tell. I mean, it's your experience, and just like psychiatry, that's how psychiatry works. You go to the doctor, you tell him what you're feeling and thinking, and he says, well, you're hearing voices, then you're schizophrenic. Well, it's an unexact science. Well, this is the same thing. It's really, um, it hasn't, it's got a long way to go before, you know, Mm. any technology that targets you has got to be so sophisticated that it's going to be hard to detect and to block and so we're not there yet. But in your experience, are there certain things people say when you can say, um, I bet you this person's faking, or you hear something that's like other verifiable members when they say something, up, oh, that's just like the other ones that I've found that were real. Are there any kind of smoking gun comments, feedback you get from them that, in your mind, well, we help just you wean really, it out? You, we, leave it, we don't judge. We leave it up to the individual to decide. And and um, basically, I just haven't run across what I think would. Uh, I I've been around. Um, I know real mentally ill people, and um, it, it to me it seems real obvious from the the cluster of symptoms that the victims uh, I deal with are so different from that. I mean, it's just a n- number of things, but it's nothing. I can't, you know, it's not written down, and mm-hmm. we leave it up to the individual. So that hasn't been really an issue. I mean, okay, it's a free world, and you can say what you think and want, and so. <laughs> yeah. But there's also very, uh, and then you, if you have real things happening to you, your, te- you know, your telephone having clicks on it, and your, your, um, all of your electrical equipment. I mean, if you're having physical things like mm-hmm. that, you can document those mm-hmm. types of things. Well, what about our skeptics in the audience that? aren't buying this yet is there some data something they can turn to that can be more convincing to them you know i i I probably if it didn't happen to me i probably wouldn't believe it either i'm going to be honest with you it's a tough tough subject i mean if you have an area of science that's classified for 50 years how can a a lay person just tell you believe me i mean it's going to take a leap of faith because there isn't the evidence needed to really make a a judgment you have to admit that i mean you wouldn't want to be convicted of some crime based on the evidence i'm presenting to you if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's that level of evidence that I'm just not going to be able to give you, but you got this 50-year history, and you and if you look at it, uh, you know, and you look at the record, uh, so I, you know, I have my website, and then there's books out there, mm-hmm. general books, and and so uh, the information I found I put on my website, mindjustice.org, and and there's lots mm-hmm. of other websites out there, but you know, I I like mine. Mm-hmm. I highly <laughs> recommend that. We were going to close with that. And we're, we're, we're at about a four minute point to wrap up. And we're going to close with that with your website and things further to reinforce that. But I got one last question and then our close. Um, what, your goal is to not just inform, but actually do something about this. What do you think, can you tell us in two minutes, is an effective strategy you've come up with to actually have some impact to try to put a stop to this? Well, um, uh, you know, I'm at the point where uh, there's a lot of other groups out there that network with the victims, and because it's just a horrible experience to go through, so that's just yeah. a big part of it. So, but I work on gathering the facts. I try to hire experts, um, scientists to write up reports. I, I'm trying to get an international investigative team to actually. It's never been done. It's because it's expensive, but you you want to get, um, uh, you know. Um, targeting and surveilling you want to see what signals are possibly being used 
you know, it's just a matter of, of getting the victims around the world organized and, and pooling our efforts and getting the facts and going to Congress asking for reports. You know, there's mm-hmm. no reports on non-lethal weapons. There's no, uh, hmm. so it's just, it's basic things. Okay. Basic things. And it's, okay. it's a tough, it, I'm not going to say it's easy. But but you have a mission not just to tell people about it, but to try to try to put a stop to this. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Change the change non-consensual experimentation law. You know that's a mm-hmm. big area I've really concentrated on. Okay. Well, we, we've come to our conclusion, and we've had a full show with some fascinating information here. And, and as we wrap up here, I want I want to find out how in the last two minutes how our listeners can get involved. And becoming more informed and support your work, and also um, other actions they can take to address this issue. Well, um, my, um, I, you know, I, we're we're just a, I'm my organization is real small. It's at www.mindjustice.org, and um, you know, it's really a self-help grassroots thing. I would just say be an informed citizen. Um, if you want to get involved, you know, we're always happy to um, uh, work with you and, and victims are needy and, and we need new evidence. We need experts to to work on this uh, topic. You know, and just be an informed consumer and, and you know, the uh, author of Real Enemies, there, that UC Davis researcher who uncovered the Cheney Bush document, she said, mm-hmm. you know, a democracy, it's hard work. So it's it's like really basic stuff. I wish I could tell you something really great to do, but, I mean, we have what we have to work with. And so uh, that's um, what, I, what I've done, you know, what, I, what I've done and how I've gotten this far. Okay. Well, one thing we can tell our listeners is they can begin by going to mindjustice.org and reading all of the information. It's excellent information. Um, They can read your article on the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, some other excellent documentation that you have there. People of faith, I believe, have an obligation. Uh, We are told in the Bible that the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth will use pharmakia. They will use drugs and other means by which to alter the realities of people. And it says, through this they deceive the nations of the earth. So in our biblical worldview, we understand this is the norm. We better recognize it. And we have an obligation to be our brother's keeper and a good Samaritan and to try to put a stop to this. It impacts our neighborhoods, our families, our communities elsewhere. And I just want to thank you so much for your time you spent with us today to educate us on this mission that you have and your commitment to it. Oh, well, thank you very much for, for being interested in this. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, and we sure look forward to having you back again on Future Quake. Sounds great. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, secret weapon, bionic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what are you trying to control somebody's mind out there? Yeah. Okay. Um, Got two two strings and a tuna can on each end. <laughs> well, <clears throat> there we go. There's the information. Um, you were just saying something before we recorded about reiterating what she said about their technique. About yeah, you know, one of the one of the most interesting things was this. This, and I'm paraphrasing here, but one of this one of these generals said that the key secret uh, in intelligence weapons is not to reveal to your enemy that it works. Yeah, and it's like wow. So they're actively trying to suppress this thing, 
And then the whole idea that billions of dollars have been poured into this with half a million victims, and we have exactly zero to show for it. Exactly. Well, you know it's there, it's just we don't see it. Yeah. You know what's missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else who's not missing, though, is Merv, who could tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. My favorite MK Ultra victim. <laughs> we'll come back tomorrow for tomorrow's Tremors. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, Mr. Controversy, Bionic. <laughs> Why are you Mr. Controversy? Because, well, just ask the people around me. They're always like, you're so controversial. You listen yeah. to your radio show. Are you crazy? Uh, thank you. Talking about our whole show. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you again today. And uh, since this is our last broadcast of the week, uh, Friday's always... Mean ice something. cream day. Time to go get an ice cream. That's your answer? Today it is. That's about as good as anything else. It's tomorrow's Tremors, or today's review of the Futures News, where we have concluded our, our interview. For example, this week, uh, Cheryl Welsh uh, joined us and really enjoyed her discussion about uh, intervening on the behalf of victims of mind control, uh, a documented activity of our government. It's well documented, um, but no one hardly steps up to the plate to intervene on their behalf. And Christians in particular are non-existent. Mm. But that was our interview this week, and now we've got Friday a time to uh, review some other news items we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad to see you survived the great flood, flood of again. Nashville. I was sitting, you know, flood again. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, man, because I sat now at the time of this recording. This was just a couple of days ago when it occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, it's funny you mentioned that. I sat in my, I sat in my uh, apartment, which is, you know. One of the highest points in in mm-hmm. in Davidson County spiritually as well too. Well, let's not get out of hand mm-hmm. here, but it's very you know it's elevation wise up in the air. I sat in there, I just sort of looked at the trees apart uh, across the street from me and read books and stuff and did uh-huh. research on on various things, and I just watched it rain and didn't think much of it, and then I went out Sunday afternoon, and um, it was like the streets are shut down and. People are calling me saying, are you okay? Right. Are you, do you need help? What? I'm like. So you were totally oblivious to what was going on. Pretty close. Uh, I'm glad our Futurian listeners know that you don't really keep an eye on what's going on in the world or what's happening around you. I do. You know. Just not. Talking about being circumspect. Yeah. I guess not in local news, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, though. I mean, doctor sterilizing Uzbek women stealthily. And I'm sure you will here in a few moments. Yep. But, you know, this is something that 
a day and a half of rain, less than a day and a half of rain, created this havoc. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was supposed to rain until like 2 in the morning Sunday, mm-hmm. and the Lord thankfully sent it away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mrs. Future and I were very concerned about it coming in her basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had done some considerable work on the grounds, had, had it re-sculpted to try to draw the water away and drain it out, and it was really close. Uh, I was going down there because that happened once before, and it was a nightmare. Well, I'll tell you what. It was just so, I mean, this rain was just so incredible. I don't. Well, I'll tell you for something else that's far out for our listeners, that particularly if they are aware of the last day's conference were there, Uh the very exit ramp where next the hotel was next to where we had the last day's conference, Uh that exit ramp was the first scene of the drama because it got flooded. One half of it got flooded, I guess the southbound side. Yeah. And these vehicles were trying to drive through it, and then the water got up over their over their windows, and then they just start floating. And then there's a few semis that try, you know, they think they're going to be able to make it through, and they create these big wakes that get these cars all banging into each other, and then they start getting stuck. And and the water's not pouring over the, the concrete uh, barrier. And so finally people start seeing them crawling out the windows and trying to crawl over, and cars are coming at them, and they're jumping and diving away from cars driving. And as it turned out later, that was a scene of the first fatality, I believe, of wow. the day. And I believe it was a drowning fatality, drowning. I think, wow. uh, there. But it was right alive on TV. And with these cameras in town, you could watch it all happening live, cars getting swallowed up. The exit ramp right by where our studio's here, mm-hmm. ladies driving up to get on the interstate, and suddenly the water just goes up to her window, and she crawls out, you know, in the middle of yeah. where we are, close to where you live. And, yeah, I know. Uh, I... I... I was driving around early in the morning, Sunday morning, really early, driving around going, what in the world is... You, you were one of those people they said not to get on the road, and you... Yeah, I think I even called you. I said, uh, Dr. Future, what's going on? Were you and Chris White doing some looting or something, looting yeah, opportunities? Yeah, you know, we knocked over a couple yeah. of jewelry stores. And well, I just want to uh, ask you all to, stand. to say a prayer for all of the people in Middle Tennessee yeah. who lost their homes, a few lost loved ones. Uh, I think we have 12 here locally that lost. I think there's 29 total now in the state that lost their life. But thousands and thousands of people have lost their homes, lost all their possessions, uh, lost their businesses, lost places where they can't work anymore. Guys driving semis have lost them. The economic impact in this area is going to be just massive. Mm -hmm. All of the icons, the Grand Ole Opry, the Titan Stadium, everything flooded underwater. Um, So if you all would just... Pray for our town and pray for these people, which we appreciate it. Yeah. And wow. um, please, please keep us in your prayers. And thanks to everybody who emailed or tried to contact us to make sure we were okay. Mm-hmm. I have a, a just a example email if it ought to stir the nest a little bit. Dine Corp running counter narcotics missions along Pakistan Afghani border. Okay. Oh, no, that's mine. Okay. Can I read this email Go ahead. real quick? Yeah. This is one, uh, I just used an example, I asked uh, uh, Brother John here from Long Island if I could share it. And, and the, the reason why I share it is that he brings some very controversial topics up and he takes controversial positions. But what's new? Uh, that's In Future Quake, we challenge our listeners to take a second look and really think through, in light of Scripture, some tough issues. But I think it's an example of what a culture and environment it causes us to try to think beyond just what everybody's saying in our head. Uh, it gives us some reason to have some, some, some reasonable debate on some issues. Uh, he says here, uh, he says, just listen to the podcast about lies the government told you. 
He says, I can't wait to get my hands on it, talking about the book. He says, you made an interesting comment that I myself have been thinking and talking about for some time. I don't have your exact quote, but it's on the lines of, people have replaced God with government to help us with our morality. One of the biggest things I started getting frustrated with last year was the fact that all mainstream Christian radio seemed to care about when it came to politics was gay marriage and abortion. Uh, this was before I heard about Future Quake, of course. Personally, I'm against both. When, uh, what happens to social justice and for caring about the kids who didn't get aborted but are lost in the jungles of the foster care system where many grow up and resort to crime? I believe that the discerning, thoughtful, and wise Christian needs to know where to draw the line between their faith and politics. It gets hairy, I know. But we have to realize the officials we elect are not our pastors, nor do they think like them. I find this particularly hard for older Christians who hold the view that this is a, quote, Christian country. Hmm. Which, if you've listened to Chris Pinto and, and Derek Gilbert and other people, you'll think otherwise. It's hard to affirm that, yeah. Yeah. The issue, and he, now he brings a, a hot-button topic here that will probably inflame some in. debate of our listeners. The issue of gay marriage is something I've wrestled with in my head, and I've finally concluded that allowing it doesn't hurt my faith or really affect me in any way. I know this view is controversial to many fellow believers, but I believe two churches can exist on the same street where one believes the Bible is an errant word of God. Therefore, though it doesn't say anything about gay marriage, it certainly identifies homosexuality as a sin, and thus the pastor would refuse to marry a homosexual couple. Whereas the other church will have a not-so-literal view of the Bible and have no problem doing so. As long as the government doesn't say to the Bible-believing church pastor that he is violating the homosexual civil rights by denying to marry them and must be arrested or sued for doing so, I think it's fair game. In other words, mm. they're living by their conscience. Okay, Neither church should get involved in each other's affairs. Marriage is a God thing, not a government thing. If the federal government, and this is sort of what Ron Paul said. Basically, Ron Paul said the government doesn't deserve to be in the marriage business mm -hmm. uh, in defining it. He says, if the federal government decided to abolish marriage altogether, I would still be married in the eyes of God. And I don't believe a homosexual couple will ever be, quote, married in the eyes of God, despite sure. of what their state tells them. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, legislation will never change the hearts of man. This is what Christians need to realize. Legislation, however should in the very least reflect the hearts of the majority, and many times it doesn't even do that. On that note, I will say reading everything that I'm reading, listening to you guys, and just doing my own studying, I am not convinced I will vote again, at least not in the next election. <laughs> With a government so corrupt, what is the point? How much power do we really have? Important questions, maybe you can do a show about these things. That's John from Long Island. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Future for president. Hey, that would be an interesting. Oh, um, I could be vice president or president of all vice. Um, there would be a whole lot of vice in this country. <laughs> well, John, um, I, I think what you show here is that you're starting to think for yourself uh, in terms of God's word and not just what people in Christian radio tell you to think. And uh, not everybody would follow your agreement, but I think you, you make your argument and your logic here. Uh, I don't think you were trying to soft pedal what you think God's word says about homosexuality mm -hmm. or about what marriage is. In fact, I think what you're saying is is that People have that conviction should stay to it, and the government should not encroach on them with that. But at the same time, I think that's what the saying. coercive power of government does not have the power to make biblical arguments. No. And I can't argue with that position. In fact, I've come, I'm coming to the same thing, is that uh, on this issue of marriage, marriage is a sacred thing. Sure. Churches handle it. Uh, governments should not be in the marriage business. And I think that people in the church are making a big mistake by trying to make gay marriage a big thing, because what will happen is they will lose 
The government cannot play favorites with Christians or any other people. Uh, when you make it a federal issue, uh, you're going to lose on that. And then what happens is when they define that as marriage versus civil unions or whatever, then that will force the government to come into the church and force people to try to mar- to marry. If they're going to marry anybody, they got to marry gay or otherwise. Yeah. And I think that's that is a big disaster that's for the, the church. Nasty, that's the nasty. That's uh, so they just poor yeah. poor thinking. Uh, marriage should be a sacred activity in the eyes of God. I think Civil he, unions are, a, you know, if that's a matter of convenience in the state. But this is just my opinion. I recognize there may be pitfalls to that yeah, thought, too. I'm sure you I'm won't just, get any emails about this. Well, I know. But I'm just thinking about <laughs> trying to see where this goes in terms of if, if, if we insist on making all these things religious issues that are business of the state, the state will be obligated to come back. And if they if they've made it a state affair, they're going to have to come back and say you got to marry everybody in your church, which I stand opposed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe Scripture is clear about homosexuality. Uh, you know, it's 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 like other sins. You know, I mean, we have other sins, yeah, lying tongue, yeah. lying tongue, and other kind of stuff. Um, you know, and we 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 play favorites. We don't look at other issues. We don't treat adultery the same way. Yeah. We don't treat I other mean, kind many, of stuff like that. How many people out there, you know? Uh, with their spouse above them, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. But 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 the government, all the government can do is coerce, and it can force people to do things. It's good at and coercing. I, and I don't not think not even that good at it. But well, it's I mean, that's guns. innately what it is. And yeah. until Jesus comes back, Jesus will coerce people to do the kingdom of God, and the people who don't want to be in it will be shown a place where He is not in control, and they won't like it. But it's the place they chose. But until that day comes, uh, His kingdom is in heaven; it's not here. And uh, if we can live by the dictates of our own conscience, you know, that's about the most I think we can ask. Mm. But now, that's in total disagreement on what just happened with May Day. The May Day event, the Dominionist event, they're saying, nope, uh, Christians are supposed to take over all the reins of government, and we're going to use this coercive power to make everybody godly. Yeah, I wish we had somebody on to sort of comment on that, the whole May Day. I have an article... Uh, from Mr. Derek Gilbert of Pid Radio about that, but if you want to do a story beforehand, I'll oh gosh, I mean, it. there's so many things here. Let me just do. This you have one to real pick quick. one. Okay. You, if you read them all simultaneously, it's hard to understand. They're hard to understand anyway. Sometimes, but Derek, st- Derek, <laughs> you just said Derek Gilbert. I was thinking about Derek Gilbert. Uh, doctors sterilize Uzbek women by stealth uh, via the Times Online. When her baby died soon after... Is this for our Uzbek listeners to warn them? Yeah. You know, I've had Uzbek food. That's right. I was in St. Petersburg and starving myself and another man, and we couldn't find anything open. And we saw a sign that said Pectopa, which I think is just in their language for restaurant in their Mm -hmm. alphabet. Went down in this little hole in the ground, like down this alley. And you had like this little bead you'd go through. It was all very like Arabic kind of thing. Yeah. They had a big stage for belly dancers. Didn't and you stuff. tell me like everybody it was, was kind of staring at you and your friend? Yeah. yeah, I had like this guy with a fez wearing it, drinking Turkish coffee and sunglasses. It was really far out. But we had Uzbek food, which was just a big bowl of some gruel, and it was okay. But then, there was nothing to drink, and I'm, as you know, I'm a teetotaler, so uh, they brought some Russian water, and it was from the Ural Mountains, and it was more iron than it was water. It was actually rusty colored. It was <laughs> brown, brown colored. So, and I think mm. that's probably what did me in on the flight home. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, your story. When her baby died soon after delivery, Galbahor Zavadova, 28, a poor farmer's wife, longed to be pregnant again. After months of trying, she and her husband visited a doctor who told her she could never have another child because she had been sterilized. Mm. The procedure had been performed immediately after she gave birth, 
by doctors who did not ask her consent. On learning she could not bear children, her husband left her. Not a day passes without me crying, she said. I was outraged when I found what they had done. How could they do such a horrible thing without asking me? According to human rights groups, tens of thousands of young women like Zavadova have been sterilized without their consent in the authoritarian former Soviet state of Uzbekistan. Uzbek sources say the measure was ordered by Islam Karimov, the president, who has ruled with an iron fist for 20 years. The policy is aimed at keeping down the country's poor population. With 28 million people, it is Central Asia, Asia's most densely populated state. Activists say mass sterilization began in 2003, hmm. but was eased after two years following an outcry. It is said to have restarted in February of this year, when the health ministry ordered doctors to recommend sterilization as an effective contraceptive. Cl critics claim every doctor was told to persuade at least two women a month to have the procedure. Doctors who failed faced reprisals and fines. We estimate that since February, about 5,000 women have been sterilized without consent, says a local human rights campaigner who fears detention if she is named. In many cases, doctors opt for delivery by cesarean section and then perform a sterilization without telling the woman. Widespread rumors of the practice have resulted in women opting for home births to avoid the risk. Hmm. That's no, an uplifting that's story. That's the elite eugenics. Yeah, it's like, there it is place. right under the nose. I was talking yeah. with a... Uh, Brother Andrew, you know, uh, Brother Andrew. You mean the guy who smuggles Bibles? No. Brother Andrew? That. Brother Andrew Hoffman. Oh, okay. Um, that is a, we should get that guy on sometime. Brother Andrew? Yeah. yeah. Hoffman? No, the other. Oh, okay, Andrew. the other one. Okay. Brother Andrew Hoffman said in South Korea that they gave a test on a, uh, out of a textbook to like eighth graders saying, uh, world government is good and that will, it will result in the end of all wars, but in the short term, you will have to be separated from your family and taken to camps where you will be taught the correct way to think. How do you feel about this? In South Korea? Yeah. In South Korea? South Korea. Was this just a test to see if they were freedom-loving or not, or were they serious about doing it? It was. They were serious about doing it. It was, it was something, you know, like... They sounds gave, like the North One. You give, like, eight-year-olds, you know? Yeah, it sounds like the North One. What's the North One? North Korea, like they won the war because oh, ideologically oh. they won, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Oh my goodness! And you're not supposed to drink. I guess you're not supposed to drink too much beer there because it all has formaldehyde. Hmm. <clears throat> okay. If you go there and 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 well, that's a way say, to stop you from drinking. Yeah, some well, some people say it's not to curtail the drinking; it's to, uh, uh, you know, sterilize you. Oh, okay, interesting. You know, you start getting headaches and stuff. Stop yeah. drinking. Well, can I talk about Mayday? All right. Uh, since we alluded to that, and I, and I mentioned the connection to the email, uh, I highly recommend everybody go over to PIDRadio.com. P-I-D-Radio.com. Stands for Peering into Darkness Radio. Uh, that's the home of Derek Gilbert. Derek and Sharon Gilbert uh, have sort of a mirror show to ours. Started right about the same mm -hmm. time, 2005. Almost as cool as us. But, but you know, to be second best in the world, still pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you know. You know. Yeah. He's got that radio voice, everybody says. Yeah. But he, he, he wrote an article that was in a website called Harkin the Watchman. It's a really neat uh, website. But the show also, I highly recommend you listen to it because it gives you food for thought about the May Day event. And let, let me just let him describe it here uh, from Derek Gilbert. Um, God and country, usually in that order, was the theme of May Day 2010, but just as significant as the hours of prayer offered from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial were the things that were left unsaid. 
May Day 2010 was a disturbing display of dominionism coordinated by Faith to Action, uh, which is a ministry, and endorsed by prominent evangelical Christians. Seven hours of prayers for repentance were lifted up, one hour for each of the seven mountaintops of influence that supposedly shape our culture. According to Dominion Theology, Christians must reclaim the mountains of religion, government media, family, business, education, and arts and entertainment. A noble undertaking given the moral decline of our nation, but there are problems. First, as noted in this column previously, those seven mountains aren't mentioned in the Bible anywhere. Dominionists admit that the concept originated with with a, quote, revelation given to Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade, and Lauren Cunningham, founder of Youth with a Mission, in 1975. Second, the idea that we can ask God to forgive other people, especially ones who aren't asking, is another recent invention. This errant teaching at the heart of May Day 2010 and similar events was unknown to the apostles of the first century. Identification repentance comes from the strategic level spiritual warfare taught by C. Peter Wagner, a leader in the so-called New Apostolic Reformation, whose influence on this movement can't be overstated. Wagner believes that sin and guilt allow a demonic foothold in a specific territory, and they must be identified and repented of to loose the hold of demons over that era. Now, note he's saying somebody else repent on behalf of somebody yeah. else who did it. Okay, May Day 2010, then, was an effort to repent of specific sins for each of the 50 states and for the Union as a whole so that the demons dragging America to hell would be put to flight. This false teaching is part and parcel of the Dominionist mandate to reclaim the seven mountains of influence uh, and to hold them like an occupying army until Jesus returns, which he won't or can't do until we accomplish the mission, according to them. However, the Bible fails to yield a single example of this type of spiritual warfare. Yes, the angel Gabriel tells Daniel of a struggle with the prince of Persia, and it's clear that Gabriel and Michael were battling a supernatural foe. But Daniel wasn't asked to help. Gabriel didn't ask Daniel to fast, repent, or prayer map in Persia. It was strictly a rumble in the heavenlies. Besides, it's hard to understand how the prayers of repentance offered Saturday could have any effect when the May Day volunteers presumably aren't the ones committing the sins that were repented of. Can Christians really intercede with God for people uh, who don't believe they're sinning or just don't believe, period? Some of the sins repented of on Saturday seem a bit far-fetched. Besides asking the Lord to forgive our nation for abortion and sexual immorality, the woman representing my mother's home state of North North Dakota was one of several who repented of stealing the land from the First Nations. Now, there's absolutely no doubt that the United States has committed a long list of injustices against Native Americans. But what good is repenting for taking North Dakota if we're not going to give it back? Very good. Good point. Derek. And and then the representative from North Carolina repented of the sin of exporting tobacco. What? If we're going to ask God to forgive us for facilitating the sin of smoking, then what about repenting of the Vietnam War, which we now know was justified uh, by a second attack at the Gulf of Tonkin that never happened? What about repenting of MK Ultra detaining Japanese citizens during World War II, or of the mural of George Washington turning into a pagan god on the inside of the Capitol Dome? Uh, or to bring national repentance up to the present day, where were the pleas for forgiveness for occupying Iraq and Afghanistan, shredding the Constitution in the name of national security, or transforming the president into a near monarch with the power to imprison or assassinate American citizens without charge, trial, or oversight of any kind? There were none, because that means uncomfortable questions about George W. Bush, who many conservative Christians still believe was our man in the White House. We might need those enhanced security powers to press the war against radical Islam.
At May Day 2010, we didn't hear a single prayer asking the Lord to forgive us for seeking political solutions to our spiritual problems, interpreting Republican victories as divine favor, or excusing non-Christian behavior like torture when it's politically expedient. Those are precisely the goals of this movement, and it's luring Christians who are simply concerned about our nation's broken moral compass into a heretical sect that wants to take over the world. Wow. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I don't smoke a pipe, but if I did... That's pretty strong words, though, isn't it? Yeah. What all did you find in there you disagreed with? Um, maybe the tone. What, are you Mr. Softy now? I'm, a so- I'm like a soft serve ice cream. Uh-huh, yeah. These days. Uh-huh. That's not the Tom Bionic I know. I know. I'm trying to change uh-huh. a little bit. But no, I think he raised he raised uh, a bunch of good points. One of that is that if indeed that's what they're doing, trying to, we're all going to repent on behalf of these other people, that's not entirely biblical. No. 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 I can't repent of your sins, nor you're mine. You know? True. In fact, that conveys a power upon me. That I could hold over you if that sort were true. Of like popish. Yeah, I mean, I could be like your 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 priest or something to control. And you better treat me wine or give me some money, or I'm I won't pray for Pope Doctor of the Future forgiveness for you. You know. Yeah, Pope Future. Um, I you know there there are a few things that I'm not quite where where Derek's at, but you know that might change over time. But what he said right there, I can't argue with his logic or any of those things. Yeah. The people who, who, who they say are doing the sinning are not repenting. And the most important thing is the issues he raised there at the end aren't even up for debate elsewhere in Christian circles mm-hmm. or whether that's part of the sin we're underway. And to sure. me, that is the bigger problem. Yeah. Is like that that's, that is forget it. Well, it, it is a head fake. They're like saying, look over here. Look at these kind of big issues that are important. Don't look over there. Take, take your eyes away from the curtain. That's interesting. One of the things I've noticed is that God punishes and blesses people according to what they do. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. when the Israel, when the Hebrews didn't want to go up into the land, they said to God, "Well, we'll go, but we don't want our children to, you know, our children get slaughtered." Yeah, yeah. And God said, "Well, your chil- your children will enter in; you will die in the wilderness." Right. You know, and there's a ton right. of things like that. I, I, well, maybe the young generation <clears throat> in the church today who recognize these things will be the ones who get to go into the land. I hope so. You know, uh, I'm sorry I took up some of that time there with that, but if you got anything in the last minute and a half to minute lay on us. Huh? Readily available software routes sophisticated mobile phones in seconds, permitting eavesdropping even when the some, even when some phones are off. And this isn't a big deal to anybody who's, like, watching, but I'll just mm-hmm. read it. Via CBS, the majority of Americans use all cell phones to talk, text, or tweet, but all this high-tech communication hides a dark and troubling danger. I don't think the general public is aware how insidious this can be, said private investigator and cell phone spyware expert Tim Wilcox. Wilcox owns and runs one of the premier private investigative companies in the country, International Investigators. Uh, uh, One of the things that they do uh, is uh, uncovering and exposing hidden spy tools like bugs and cell phones and other appliances. It takes about 90 seconds to download the spyware in your business, said Wilcox. Uh, the spyware is a lurking danger that turns your cell phone into a secret listening device, an instrument used to spy against you. Worse yet, you'll likely never know it is on your phone. This could be anywhere from th- there could be anywhere from three to five uh, to even six cell- six million cell phones that are infected with the spyware. Uh, and I know we're short on time, so I'll close there. That's just more scariness. Yeah. Well, and this is like... I, I want to become a Luddite. Just get away from all this stuff. And this is like commercially available stuff, you know? You can mm-hmm. go out 
and buy this on the internet if you know where to go. So if you don't buy it, then why should you be at risk? What? Like if you don't go buy it yourself. Oh, no, because people can put it on your phone. They can't. Yeah. Do they have to have your, their hands on your phone to do it? Uh, I don't know. I'm okay. not, we have to ask Tim Wilcox. Okay. Well, i tell you who else we could ask is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We have to go. Bye. Never enough time for Never. stories. I've got a stack of stories you do, too. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with another stack. we got to do a news roundup here sometime. Yeah. yeah. And another guest. We'll have another great guest next yep. week. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.